You are listening to the Red Leaf Retrocast, gaming, anime, and wrestling. Your best location to learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. We watch old and seasonal anime, play old and new video games, and watch all the wrestling we can. You are listening to the Wrestling Cast episode, and I hope you enjoy. It's Red Leaf Retrocast, episode 21 of the Wrestling Edition. I'm your host, JD. I'm joined here with Rad Zero. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, bud? Uh, hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, Rad Zero back on another episode. Looking forward to this one, co-host of the Red Leaf Wrestlecast. Yeah, it's a new year. It's 2019, which means yep. 2018 has come to an end. And uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Um New Year, New Year's and Christmas holidays. Do you well, Red? Uh, yeah, yeah. So far, so good. Yeah, I'm pretty exhausted. Too much wrestling already in 2019. Too much wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I freaking started off the new year with an ECW style hardcore match and an indie event. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I saw that. Uh, it was nuts. That's uh, but this is, if you couldn't tell by the title, it is 2018 Wrestling of the Year. Uh, we have a number of categories we're going to deliberate here uh, with nominees. We'll go through them, and Brad and I will make a case for the winner, and we'll come to a consensus on who wins that category. We've got a number to go through. And then we have, for for the second half of the show, we have the podcast awards discussion, and that's uh, the top ten matches from uh, our, our three tiers plus the women's tier uh, for that. Excellent. And then a mathem- the mathematical top 25. So uh, if you keep up with the cast, if you haven't kept up the cast, what we've done is uh, every podcast we have podcast rankings. A, a wrestler will get a set amount of points from the tier that they were in. And this is the total points that they accumulated over the year in 2018. Uh, and that's who our wrestlers of the year uh, mathematically is. I think, yep. I think it was pretty cool. We'll just kind of go through. We've got a top 25 list. The women are included, so stay tuned for that. Well, with that, uh, I want to know your wrestling goal of 2019, or goals if you have. Brad? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. As you already know, I met one of them, and that was actually getting a subscription to New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling World. Com. So now I have access to their library and I couldn't have gotten it at a better time as I was able to catch up with everything that happened with Wrestle Kingdom just a couple of hours after while I was at work. Uh, so yeah, that's awesome. Looking forward to it. Uh, more wrestling for me this year. Uh, and if the WWE product still continues to uh, go on a stale, uh, you know, a product, uh, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, I definitely already have an alternative. So freaking A, I don't have to wait for it to air on Access TV. <laughs> excellent stuff so that's uh, one of them uh second one uh, that i might want to go ahead and add is i don't know what event what WrestleCon, what comic con 
I will have to attend, but I will make it a point that I would like to meet Becky Lynch this year, at least get some, you know, one of my figures autographed or something, but that'd be pretty cool to, uh, to experience. That would be really cool. Um, I need to see a David Starr match in person. I tried to do that already, but it turns out it was a squash match. So, <laughs> Oh, man, that's what I was about to say. I thought maybe you might have already seen that, but I guess that wasn't really the case, technically speaking. It was not the case. Uh, he cut yeah. a promo, uh, healed David Starr. It was amazing, and then he got squashed in like six seconds. Oh man! <laughs> so I went no. Yeah. Uh, but I am wearing my pro my new product, David Star, um, kind of uh, polyester long sleeve shirt deal that oh, he cool. just came out with. It's really comfortable. Um, I got yeah. it from the event I went to. Nice. Uh, one of my goals, also for the podcast, is to cover less WWE in 2019. And by that, something. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something we've pretty much have already done at least the last couple of months. Yeah, it's getting less and less. And I think um, for 2019, uh, I'm going to cut down on a lot of my wrestling that I did watch in 2018. Um, I am feeling a bit overexposed to a lot of wrestlers at this point. So it's kind of for my own well-being. <laughs> yeah. So... There's that. Uh, I'm not going to watch NXT TV anymore. I'm going to continue not watching Raw and SmackDown. I will watch all the takeovers. Sure. Uh, That's how I roll. <laughs> uh, no more NXT TV, though. Um, I'm just not enjoying it like I used to be. It's just too much squash matchy type of stuff, introduction to wrestlers. I'm already introduced to them all, all the time because of how much sure. indie stuff I watch. And especially with this oh, new yeah. crop that's there now, I've seen. Well, um, not Walter. Well, I have seen Walter, obviously, but um, I have seen Keith Lee and Matt Riddle basically go at it a thousand times already on the indie scene. So <laughs> they're better seeing, stuff. Yeah, seeing them kind of go at it within NXT TV, I just don't have any interest. And then uh, I'm just not gonna even participate in watching all the middle road pay per views that WWE puts out. They're just constantly disappointing to me. So. It's just going to be the Rumble, Mania, Money in the Bank, and SummerSlam. That's it. Those are the there four things we're going to do. Uh, Definitely, none, yeah, none of the middle even ones. A Survivor Series, as of the last couple of years, has built, really been lackluster. So no point in watching that. It's no longer part of the Big Four, I guess. Um, I, I don't consider it part of the Big Four. I just consider it another pay-per-view. It's not even canon, because yeah. any story that goes into it is built for, what, Bob a week? SmackDown, yeah. And then once it's over, it's almost like it never happened. So why should I continue to care about that? And that's how I feel about the, the WWE product. And just the constant misuse of wrestlers. The wrestling isn't as... It's not up to par with the rest of the world. And neither are the stories. And WWE is supposed to pride itself on the stories. Yeah. Which they're the worst that I've seen out of all the wrestling we watched, especially in 2018. So WWE, less WWE, the better, and the less exposure I'll have to them all. So who knows, maybe yeah. I might enjoy it more in the end. Here's uh, one thing I just want to add is that it's it's interesting you brought that up because uh, uh, going back to one of my goals, which I had already just accomplished in getting an actual subscription to mm -hmm. uh, NJPW World, uh, you know, I was just kind of like uh, briefly discussing my wife. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm actually contemplating on finally canceling my WWE Network subscription. 
after Mania. I was like, you know what? I'll wait for the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and then kind of like take a break. But the only thing that'll keep me coming back for more and paying the nine ninety nine a month is obviously keeping up to date with our favorite show for the podcast, and that's uh, old episodes of WCW Thunder. So I might just continue. But I've actually had this talk before, JD, and I completely agree with you. It's like not even worth you know paying money anymore. I'd rather cancel it and go get another subscription to like Stardom or something. You know? Oh yeah, um, I'm still struggling with. Uh, do I want to go to the RPW? or stardom show uh mania weekend because my dad and i have already um got our hotels and everything for mania weekend oh, we have great. we got our tickets to the garden for the new japan show and we have tickets to the wxw show on thursday night <laughs> that's awesome man but we're really stuck on which one yeah. uh which one we want to go to on friday because we want a so, night so out stardom is actually going to be there Yes, Stardom's going to be there. And when I read that's that, I'm like, I don't cool. know. Uh, it's not a done deal because I was originally just going to go RPW because that was the 4 o'clock show. Uh, we're not going to go to TakeOver. Uh, been to TakeOvers before. I mean, they're great. I just want to see something new. Sure. Yeah. It's going to be more like your indie mania, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, when you put all the indie tickets together and all the money was spent, it yeah. probably won't even amount to one ticket we might have spent at Mania. <laughs> To a mania. <laughs> yeah and mania is too long like i was describing it to my dad i was like dude it's like eight hours or some nonsense like oh yeah and he goes oh yeah no <laughs> <laughs> i was like or we can spend 30 dollars and go to the wxw event which is like two hours <laughs> and he goes that sounds much better <laughs> that's cool uh, back when Mania was actually much better, um, I attended the 25th anniversary in Houston. I think you said you, you've you attended that one as well. Yep. Um, that one I did go with my dad. And what pretty much drew him was, you know, beer and peanuts. So I was able to get him. But yeah, that was back when the show was, you know, maybe four hours. It was mm -hmm. like the three-hour show plus the one-hour pre-show, and that was it. It's like, yeah, I can't imagine having my dad sit through an eight-hour show that's boring. You know, uh, yeah, it's just not going to happen. I hear you. I don't blame your dad. Yeah. So I think um less exp less overexposure to wrestlers is one of my goal uh one of my goals less WWE. Ironically, it's less wrestling <laughs> for me to enjoy more. Is uh it it kind of sounds odd, but with the amount that we covered in 2018, it's it's quite something. Yeah. Um, Besides, we got uh, you know, all elite wrestling to look forward to this year and the double or nothing. So there's a lot of other stuff going on out there. There's a lot. There's a lot of other stuff. Uh, yeah. And with the new NXT UK contracts coming into effect now in 2019, the landscape has changed. So when the landscape changes, I have to change as well as a fan. Um. And so uh, much of the indie scene has been gutted, especially from the European perspective. Uh, and as well as a lot of the North American perspective with a lot of talent just being in the per performance center now within NXT. Sure. So WWE has really impacted the the indie scene. Uh, so it'll, I think, progress WXW, uh, RPW, because it's not part of the, under the WWE umbrella. Uh, those are the promotions to... To look out for they're the biggest and those are the ones where you're going to start seeing uh the new indie talent kind of rise rise up and be pushed which is mm -hmm. in my opinion just a lot of fun to see uh and then from the north american perspective we've got mlw on uh youtube free friday nights that's the weekly show i'll be watching and then impacts wrestling's going to a new channel 
they're trying to keep going off their 2017 revital revitalization of their own promotion. Yeah. So there's all that, and and uh, Ring of Honor just lost a bunch of people with uh, the Elite starting their own thing. So yeah, gonna... yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. I think uh, ROH is going to go a little downhill uh, this year. Hopefully, they pull something out of their bag and and come up with something new. Yeah, uh, I we, think we just talked about this. I think a couple of episodes about how they need to uh, you know build more stars because a lot of their star power are already gone. Yeah, uh, they had. Phase one of their star power leaving was is basically the undisputed era, right? Yeah. Uh, and and then the company that followed them. Uh, phase two now is the elite breaking off and starting their own thing. So they're gutted as well. And uh, with uh, I mean, not to sound overly harsh, but I find Ring of Honor very milk toast as a re- wrestling promotion. Mm. Um, it reminds me a lot of Noah, but Noah has a lot more. I don't know. It's Japanese wrestling, so the strong style. Uh, the, um, the strict weight class, or no, 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 the weight class, the weight classes in Noah aren't very strict, not like uh, New Japan, um, but the style kind of fits Noah, they still have the green mat, uh, they're still rebuilding, All Japan's still in a bad place, Ring of, I think Ring of Honor has kind of reached that level with me as a fan, so, um, that's another promotion I'm gonna less expose myself to, uh, going forward as well. <clears throat> But that'll leave things open for new stuff, which is nice. Oh, absolutely. Those are my wrestling goals. And I naturally go to more Beyond Wrestling shows on the East Coast, <laughs> which I've already done. I've already started cool. that. Yeah. All right. Uh, good little goals we got, but let's get into our podcast awards, and I'll play a little drop. We can get started. Alrighty, wrestling goals. Drop Walter. <laughs> of course it is, right? Why would it not be? <laughs> okay. Be. So we're gonna start uh this is the non-podcast awards. This is the personal opinions. Number of categories with nominees for each category and our deliberation to who wins that category. And we're gonna yeah. start off very strong with Wrestler of the Year Japan. So, someone who wrestles uh, mostly in Japan. And the nominees are Tanahashi, Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, and Tomohiro Ishii. Who do you got and why, Rad? Uh, this is a very strong list. All four of those guys are very much deserving for our personal wrestler of the year in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely have to go with Kenny Omega. He is the hottest star uh has been for quite some time now uh and you know still has a future maybe even outside of japan ahead of him mm-hmm. but uh as we speak for what he accomplished in the year uh you know finally winning the big one had a high profile match uh, against chris jericho at last year's wrestle kingdom uh definitely kenny omega okay uh i think a case i think that's a good case to make um a lot of people think kenny omega's title reign was a flop. What do you have to say about that? That's that's a big negative on on him compared to say the redemption story of Tanahashi, Okada and his character right. change. 
my my personal opinion on that is I do have to agree to an extent. I'm not going to say that it's uh, you know a flop or anything like like that, but. Uh, most of his better matches did take place before the title reign. And once he was already champion, sure, mm -hmm. he had successful defenses, but I don't think he captured the same five-star magic that he did as when he was chasing it or in a program trying to win it. Uh, and I think that's maybe what a lot of people saw, and they just figured that it was a fluke. It didn't last very long, and uh, they're just considering it a flop. Uh, again, I'm not going to say it was a high-profile success or that it was a flop, but rather I think it was a fair... Uh, title run it's mm -hmm. not going to be the last that we see him in a high profile championship picture so uh you know I, I wouldn't consider it a flop by any means okay well uh red i agree with you that it is kenny omega i don't see his title reign as a flop at all mm -hmm. uh from the first half of the year he had he was in a great storyline with the bullet club infighting um the re uh, the reuniting of the Golden Lovers was a major pop of the year, and yes. that led to nice. an amazing uh, story told tag match uh, with the Young Bucks. Uh, I believe it got five stars. And then, uh, as all that was going on, he ended up winning the title at Dominion. In my opinion, the Go Hong match of the year in that hour long two out of three falls match, mm -hmm. uh, which is by definition, one of the best wrestling matches of all time. Uh, and then right after that, he had a fantastic performance in the G1, almost running the table until uh, Ishii got a hold of him. <laughs> yeah. And then that led to a really good title defense, uh, conti a, a continuation of kind of the Golden Lovers pulling out amazing tag matches one after another uh, throughout the rest of the year. Um, Fucking fantastic matches, man. And the stories just continued with Bullet Club infighting until uh, the firing squad got involved, um, the Gorilla's Destiny and, and their betrayal. Yep. Um, so I agree. Kenny Omega, Wrestler of the Year Japan. Okay. Asterisk to Kenny Omega. Okay. Our next category is Wrestler of the Year Europe, which I'm sure a lot of podcasts aren't going to do. They're going to ignore it, Rad. But not here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> uh, so the nominees are Valter, because of course I, of course I'm gonna nominate him. Uh, I Will, think I already know your pick. <laughs> Will Osprey, Zack Saber Jr., and Ilya Dragunov. Very cool. Is there anyone missing there? Uh, as well, do you mean like uh, uh, under contract and 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 you know limited to? to uh, just Europe, because if we were going to maybe discuss uh, WWE UK talent, uh, they, you know, anybody from NXT they, that you they might could. Thinking, They could, but if we're t it would have to be NXT UK. I see, okay. Yeah. No, as, for, as per uh, Europe, uh, the guys that you have here uh, in the four, I, I totally agree that, that uh, they accomplished so much in the indie scene, so I like this list. Yeah, I, I saw some. I saw someone mention maybe Pete Dunne, but I would argue that his yeah, his year was, was mostly North America, um, and he was res he was restricted a lot when he would wrestle in Europe. I mean, he still had you know the good match and every now and again. I just don't think it was on the uh, the level that the other guys on this list had. Sure. Um, but let's hear let's hear your your pick for Wrestler of the Year Europe. Okay. Um, well. 
two guys that you definitely introduced me uh, to this year that I had no idea who they were before being introduced to WXW, which is obviously a promotion based out of Germany. Excellent promotion, by the way. I'm glad JD introduced me to it. Uh, that was uh, Walter and Dragunov. Uh, two amazing competitors in the ring. They even have a, a story with one another. Uh, mm-hmm. Amazing performers. Now, as per who stands out here, and I'm not sure if this is going to be your pick, so I would have to, I, I think I want to see a lot of, uh, uh, where maybe there's uh, some sort of contradiction on this show today. Okay. But one thing I think we may agree on, and again, I think you have these two guys that you're going to pick from, but I'll probably have to go with Walter. He just definitely stood out. Uh, very unique in the sense that he's a big guy. However, he's you know very entertaining, very fast in the ring. Has an amazing move set, including uh, these fatal chops that'll cause anybody's chest to turn red. Uh, just amazing guy and what he accomplished. Uh, uh, definitely, my pick is uh, Walter for Wrestler of the Year Europe. Uh, this might not come as a surprise, but I would agree <laughs> that yeah. Walter is the best in Europe. And but there is a lot of good reasons behind it. Um, he didn't hold the main title in within uh, WXW. That was Dragonoff. That's why sure. he's on the list and the ri- the rise of his character and him being at the top of the card there. Uh, Dragonoff being uh, breaking into the rest of the European scene, especially the UK, was uh, came at the tail end of the year. Um, Osprey and Saber are great. They had great matches seemingly every month within Europe. That's why they made the list. But I, I still think a lot of their success and focus came within Japan with the storylines. So I think that's I think that's the that's difference true. between Volter yeah. and Dragon off on this list. I, I think that's also the case with Pete Dunn. A lot of his buzz and uh, worth came outside of Europe. For the most part uh so volter uh made a name for himself in, in 2018 he's always been a good wrestler uh but now he's got the buzz behind him he was booked at the top of every card he went to in europe whether that was in ireland scotland uh the all over the uk germany he was always at the top in the title picture and more often than not he won the damn title on top of it He's the current Progress and OTT champion currently. That's how he ended tw- 2018, as a double champion. Yeah. <laughs> Hell of a year for the guy. Uh, he was just, every show you'd watch, it's it's Walter chopping the shit out of somebody, just being this dominator. And uh, so it's it's no shock that we co- we've come to a consensus he was the best wrestler in Europe this year. So, that was easy. Two for two. <laughs> This one, I think, might be a little bit harder. Uh, this was pretty hard to get uh, the nominations in order. I tried to think of uh, different promotions and who stood out. And this is Wrestler of the Year North America. The nominees are Jay Lethal, Johnny Gargano, Pentagon Jr., and Seth Rollins. Is there someone that possibly should be added to this nomination list? Uh, so this is open to any promotion? Uh, within North America, yes. As per what I'm seeing with the... Interesting, okay. Um, so Mexico, well, reason... Canada... I don't think Smash no, Wrestling you know, is I, that I, big. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you try to uh, add some diversity 
uh, to yes. this list. And we, we, yeah, we got a really good list here. You know, Jay Lethal representing the indie scene, obviously with Ring of Honor, uh, incredible match at All In. Uh, uh, Johnny Gargano, incredible year with high profile mm-hmm. matches on NXT. Uh, Pentagon already made a name for himself, uh, especially what was going on in Impact Wrestling. And uh, Seth Rollins, probably the highest profile wrestler on this list. Obviously, he's in the mainstream WWE, mm-hmm. uh, kind of making a comeback, if you will. Yeah, after uh, after his yeah. uh, his injury set year and the whole Kingslayer thing, and previously. So uh, from this list, uh, you know, I would have probably added maybe somebody. Is there a reason why maybe somebody like uh, AJ Styles is not on here? No particular reason. I mean, he was the fucking champion for basically the whole calendar year. We can add him on there and deliberate. Okay. I mean, if if I had a wrestler of the year and not because I'm biased to the fact that he uh favorite wrestler, mm-hmm. uh, however, I think he still had a really good year, I would probably go with AJ Styles. However, just based on the nominees for this list, I'll definitely go with Seth Rollins. I think he's making quite the comeback. And uh Do you think he edged out AJ Styles in your mind? No, Styles is still on the top of my list. Okay, we'll keep him on the nomination yeah. then. Okay. Uh, well, who is the wrestler of the year for North America then, with that being said? I can still include AJ Styles? Yes, you can. Okay, yeah, definitely AJ Styles. A phenomenal one. And why is that? Uh, he's always the standout guy, uh, on every single card. Uh, just as we were discussing earlier, we no longer have any interest in WWE's product. However, there is only two wrestlers that I still tune in for one male, one female. Mm-hmm. That's AJ Styles and the man Becky Lynch. And those are the only ones I care for. Sometimes I even consider my main event and then I tune out. It's unfortunate that AJ Styles has had a lot of high profile matches in the mid card, defending his championship earlier in the year. Uh, however, because of my personal interest in him as being my favorite wrestler and the only guy that I actually feel is worth watching at this point in WWE's current product, uh, definitely AJ Styles. Okay. I'm finally going to disagree with you. I think, uh, AJ Styles, both AJ Styles and Seth Rollins were, uh, consistently solid all year. However... The matches that they're the matches and feuds they were part of is what really uh, gets negative points for me. AJ Styles Samoa Joe was good. It was uh, I think it was oversaturated and it made his opponent look worse at the end of it. We haven't really seen Joe afterwards. Uh, Styles Nakamura was a held back mess of a program, and we see what happened with Nakamura after that. Uh, all of AJ Styles' programs had too many DQ finishes for me to really get invested into, and Seth Rollins had two of the biggest stinker feuds all year, along with the billion matches he had with Dolph Ziggler. Um, if you can't, if you, uh, if we shall go down memory lane, there was, there's the, um, the match Ziggler IC title match main event where the crowd... Uh, bu- buzzered off the entire time. And then there's the TLC match, which was arguably oh, yeah. the worst match of the night because a blood feud was handled with a rest hold wrestling match with yeah. the returning Dean Ambrose. So those two, I think I can't agree with at all. However, um, I think it's with it's for Johnny Gargano in NXT. 
incredible matches that he had for the year. I can't name a single program he was a part of that didn't have me 100% invested as a fan. His yeah. feud with Champa made not only Gargano's character look stronger than ever, it made Champa look like a million dollars on top of it. Um, he w- Johnny Gargano was a part of every takeover on the year in a major feud with Aleister Black, with Champa. Uh, even within NXT TV, he ended the year in a cage match with a blood feud. And it, the, the stories sur- sur- surrounding Gargano was strong from the start of the year with Almas to the end of the year with Black. Um, the reason why I don't say Jay Lethal and Pentagon is I don't think it was a year-to-year uh, success. Yeah, there was only maybe like uh, certain milestones or highlights. Yes, uh, Pen- uh, Pentagon yeah. did have All In and the match with Sammy Callahan and Impact, and that's yeah. kind of when all the buzz happened. But um, from the start and end of the year, because that was all, like all summer was Pentagon. And even within Lucha Underground, he was making, you know, some buzz. But mm-hmm. beginning of the end, the end of the year, I can't really make any case for. And the same kind of goes with Jay Lethal. He, he did end up capturing the title and he had, you know, good matches here and there. But the, pro- the programs he was in just didn't ha- light that fire compared to what Johnny Gargano did this year. So now the question is, have I convinced you? Uh, as per Gargano yes. having uh, your rest of the year spot. Uh, yeah, it's very convincing. I have to agree with it, actually, because uh, he was really the guy that stood out uh, on in, on the NXT TakeOver events, had incredible matches. I even think uh, one or two of them he might have main evented with Champa, and they were just they were amazing, the storyline going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even throughout the year, ever since we started this cast, we had nothing but good things to say about his performances at the TakeOver events that we highlighted. So, uh, yeah, I definitely have to agree with it. Not to mention the the evolution of his character from, you know, the uh, uh, easygoing, uh, high-profile babyface to, you know, the the madman that, that had been uh, running rampant all over throughout NXT. Uh, that was amazing stuff right there. So a lot mm-hmm. of good stuff going on with the guy in yeah. 2018. All right. So that makes, uh, that makes Johnny Gargano our North American Wrestler of the Year. How about that? Yep. Uh, this one's going to be hard. Women's Wrestler of of the Year. Nominees. (laughs) Nominees are Tessa Blanchard, The Man Becky Lynch, Mako Satamora, and Tony Storm. Is there someone we're missing, possibly? Um... No, no. This is a very good list. So, um... We got Tessa Blanchard, the Impact Wrestling Champion. We have Becky Lynch, used to be the SmackDown Live Women's Champion. Mako Satamora won the DDT title this year, which is a... uh, She was the first women's... um, First woman to win a predominantly men's title in Japan as a whole. uh, Plus a great Mae Young Classic uh, run. And... um, Really good matches uh, within the UK at the start of the year. And then there's Tony Storm, who's been killing it all year as well. Uh, winner of the Mae Young Classic. Um, WXW Women's Champion. She had the Progress Women's title for almost a full year, and she yeah. lost it. So uh, the, the list goes on with the accomplishments of all the wrestlers. Uh, I think my pick 
and this is hard hard to say, but I think with the total impact um, on the industry, I'm going to go with Mako Satomura. Ah, interesting. Because she broke barriers in Japan, in Japan uh, for what a women wrestler can do. She brought a new style to the Mae Young Classic. Uh, she's been enhanced. It's kind of like the unsung story. I'm making the case for this because she may she's uh, she's trained an entire generation in Sendai Girls. That's her promotion, and she's just been killing it all all year. Uh, especially for a 20-year vet at this point. Um, sure. And I guarantee that the casual fan had no idea who Mako Satomura was until she made that Mae Young Classic appearance. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a little torn. I'm not totally convinced with myself, because I could make a case for all four of these women, but I want to hear yours now, Rad. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, uh, totally agree with you in the sense that the four women included on this list really pretty much come in all at a very close second, uh, you know, compared <laughs> to, to my pick here shortly. Um, as you were mentioning the Mae Young Classic earlier, one name that popped into my head was the winner of the very first one, and that was Kyrie Sane. Mm-hmm. I just want to add that I probably would have included their on this list had it been maybe up to five that we could put because I think she had an incredible year and she finally won the NXT women's championship in 2018, which I think says a lot for what she's accomplished. And, and uh, she just has an incredible uh, future ahead of her amazing performer. Would you, uh, so like, to, would you like to wonder why I didn't put her on the list? Why is that? Because I think with her performance and what the program she was in, I think her and Shayna Baszler are interchangeable. Ah, okay. Fair I, th- I think as a singularity of 2018, um, they both needed each other equally. That's uh, that's the reason there. Right. Instead of being able to stand on our own, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, then here we are down to the four. And I think it's obvious who my pick is going to be. But keep in mind that Looking at this list, I was trying my best, uh, you know, not to be biased to who I love and who is quite uh, possibly my favorite wrestler right now, male or female. Mm-hmm. But my pick is definitely Becky Lynch. Uh, I think she had an incredible uh, year ever since she had that uh, um, tweener turn, so to speak, at, mm-hmm. at uh, SummerSlam. Uh, I just think that from that moment on, she was just able to break out and we saw the real uh, Becky Lynch, who eventually turned into the man. And she, um, I guess, just embodies what everybody would would uh, would pro- probably do if they were in her shoes. So it comes off as just being a realistic, uh, I guess, response to somebody that, I guess, who was your friend this whole time, you know, and all of a sudden just comes in, gets thrown in the mix and wins the championship. It's like, hey, well, what the hell, what's going on? You know, so with that being said, uh, I think she's also has has had a, a very cool rivalry going on with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, and just everything she comes off as, is, it just comes off as gold, you know, whether it's a promo that she's cutting, 
you know, just just last week, and this is, uh, you know, on, on an episode of SmackDown, she even called out, you know, John Cena and just doing the "you can't see me" thing. Uh, just mm-hmm. amazing stuff. She really knows what she what she's doing, and uh, I think the fans can definitely relate. And a lot of people that I feel didn't like Becky Lynch before, or probably they weren't even on their top five, you know, wrestler list of the year, so to speak. Uh, now she definitely created a buzz, and a lot of people have already jumped on board. So it just kind of goes to show you what she's really accomplished this year alone. So, yes, Becky Lynch is my pick. However, I also want to add that I think Tessa Blanchard and everything she's been doing for the the Women's Championship over at Impact Wrestling and anything that she's accomplished before signing on with the company, uh, you know, she comes in at a very close second. So, again, I don't want to be biased just to my personal. So then, so then the here's year, but... here's a question then. Because uh, Tessa Blanchard, uh, since the moment she stepped foot in Impact, uh, had that it factor, and she yeah. captured the title. She's made it a big deal. She's made it a must must watch in Impact. Uh, and Impact needs all the buzz that they need these days. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and including uh, Blanchard's matches in the, on the Indies, whether it was uh, her match against Brian Cage at Bar Wrestling. The seventy-five women women Iron Man or Iron Woman match uh, for the title happened um, around the same time that the Lynch uh, turn happened. So my question is: Does what Lynch garnered with uh, from August to the end of twenty nineteen is that big enough to overshadow, say, what Mako Satsumura, Tony Storm, and Blanchard did throughout the whole year? You think the the buzz and the uh, oh yeah you, yeah you do? Uh, this is an easy absolutely and the reason why I say that is because the difference between her and the other women is that she's actually in the mainstream and she's even been covered by high profile news outlets and even like ESPN and things like that mm-hmm. she's really uh, you know lighting up a, a, a fire here and, and people are are taking notice uh, you know it's the first time I guess that we see. A women's wrestler get to that level you know the the last person that i've ever saw maybe accomplish that or was probably uh china and that was a long time ago you know it, it, it just goes down it boils down to if you were to ask somebody that doesn't watch wrestling mm-hmm. or maybe just a casual do you know who becky lynch is they more than likely already do versus do you know who tessa blanchard miko or tony storm are they might not really have a clue you have to really be a hardcore wrestling fan to know who they are and Becky Lynch is already being noticed, uh, whether or not, you know, they're wrestling fans. Okay. You've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with Becky Lynch as well, then. I agree. Cool. Straight fire. Yeah. The man. Uh, and even if I look at my, uh, the mathematical numbers that we kept track of all year, the, the buzz was a real, like, statistical number I could put on it as well. So. Sure. Uh, it's quite amazing what six months has done, for sure. Oh, and it's only just the beginning. Well, I'm a little worried for what's going to happen with Becky Lynch in 2019, to be honest. And well, if she does a main event mania against Ronda Rousey, I run it. So that's all <laughs> i got to say about that. I, I'm, I'm more or less worried, um, you know, WWE booking and its formulaic response to everything. Yeah. You know... You know the playbook. You know what's going to happen. You know the scripted pro- promo pretty much before it starts. You know, I just kind of made a little jab. Uh, I go, you know, if you put that um, Ronda Rousey Bella script next to the Becky Lynch John Cena, it's eerily similar. 
Yeah, I saw that. So I'm just, I'm just like, ah, take take it with a grain of salt for sure. Just um, be wary of the writings of the on the walls. You know, I'm still, I'm still heavy on Becky Lynch. I love her. Uh, she had two of the, arguably two of the greatest women's matches in a decade, happen, and uh, she's a big deal. She's a big deal for sure. Women, women's wrestler of the year, 2018, Becky Lynch. There we go. Okay. Uh, next category, and we'll kind of speed this up now, because those were the, the four big ones. Uh, outstanding performer. So this is like a pure wrestling standpoint. Uh, not so much the stories, not so much the um, promotions that they were in. It's just the, these people or their style was fucking awesome, you know? And the nominees are uh, Will Ospreay, Kota Ibushi, and then... I threw this one out there because I just thought it'd be interesting, and I think uh, he's done something very well for the hardcore wrestling. Uh, kind of coming back, it's it's sort of a resurgence I've seen. Is Sammy Callahan? Yeah. So, uh, I'm gonna make a case for Will Osprey. I think he's been the most outstanding performer this year. Uh, the amount of stuff he does in the ring, even down to his mannerisms as he's doing them. Uh, makes even the most casual wrestling fan go, wow, I need to watch more of that guy. Uh, while Ibushi, he has that... Uh, he's close. He he lacks that kind of mannerism charisma while he does the moves a lot of the times. Uh, it, he... He just has a knack for for it, and it looks so smooth and good. And then Callahan has brought the hardcore scene back uh, into the main light with with the work he does. So I I think Osprey just edges them out uh, based on new fans being able to grasp what he was able to do in 2018. What say you, Red? Uh, I think before I could even pick somebody, you might have convinced me. I got to go with Will Ospreay as well. Incredible performer. He had some amazing matches throughout the year. Uh, other than that, I would say Kota Ibushi comes in maybe at a close second. But, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely Will Ospreay was the uh, standout guy. Okay. Well, moving on. Outstanding performer, Will Ospreay. Uh, feud of the year. And this was harder than most years. Uh for me to come up with more than one, to be honest. Um, usually, you know, feuds, you you have a program where they have at least three matches, you know, the trilogy, and, uh, you know, there's a story involved. Um, to me, it was a slam dunk for what it was, but it was hard to even come up with more than just that one. The nominees are Gargano Champa, which I think is pretty obvious. And then after that, um, you know, I was thinking, like, maybe the Bullet Club infighting, but... That led to different matches with different people a lot of the times. Um, yeah. You know, I guess you could kind of break it down to Omega Cody, but even then I'm like, ah, I can't really make a case. Tanahasha, Tani, Tani, huh? <laughs> Tanahashi Okada. But that's kind of an ongoing feud. But I did, I, I did like their, their series of uh, Okada wants to break the um, defense record. Uh, Tanahashi's got it. He's the ace of Japan. Okada's the new blood kind of deal. The young guy uh, breaking all the records. Um, 
So that was number two. But uh, I'm going to go with Gargano Champa for obvious reasons. Uh, I don't think I really need to go into much detail on that. Do you, Red? Sure. Uh, that's also my pick of the year. Uh, uh, definitely feud of the year, Gargano Champa. Um, every time they had a match at NXT TakeOver, I was just in awe. It kind of reminded me a lot of uh, old school WCW stuff that was yes. going on. With that alone, they just really won me over. And there wasn't really a feud this year that I was drawn to in that sense uh, as I was with uh, Gargano and Champa. So. Okay. Easy peasy. Next mm-hmm. category. Tag team of the year. Uh, nominees are the Young Bucks. Obvious reasons. Uh, the Golden Lovers. Omega and Ibushi. The Undisputed Era. The tag team of Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. LAX from Impact Wrestling, uh, who whom broke the longest reigning uh, tag team belt holders this year, yeah. or in 2018. And then Aussie Open, a surprise pick at the end of the year. They've won, like, every tag title in Europe. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So uh, who you got and why? Uh, there's three tag teams on here uh it's very hard to choose i'm always you know all about bullet club and the young bucks really stand out but as per what they accomplished in the year versus other guys on the list Mm -hmm. uh you know i can't really pick them uh the golden lovers would also come to mind i think the uh, storyline behind it and then finally uh you know getting back together in the matches they had whether they were in a tag team match or or uh a triple threat match where they were actually you know forced to face against one another right uh, amazing stuff, but I really got to go with the Undisputed Era here with uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and, and uh, Roderick Strong. Um, I just love the Undisputed Era. Everything from their theme music to Kyle O'Reilly's uh, way, uh, how he does the air guitar, just mm-hmm. really cool. They really stand out. They had amazing matches. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised I, even got my, I haven't even gotten myself a t-shirt yet of these guys, but definitely my tag team <laughs> of the year. Uh, yeah, they had a... Um... They've had a really good feud with uh, British Strong Style. Again, uh, you know, a good feud. I It was just Gargano Champa, just on, the, on a different level compared to everything yeah. else this year. Um, the Golden Lovers, uh, I've seen people argue that they aren't a true tag team in the sense, and my argument there is they had three five-star matches in 2018. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I'm going to agree with you, Rad. I think the Young Bucks had an off year compared to the previous years. Uh, LEX is really good. They've come into their own. Um, I just think they lacked the opponents this year, this past year. The same Aussie Open was against CCK most of the year. Uh, fun team. Uh, even LAX had, a, had three, four really good matches in Europe mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but they were just matches. I think what with what the Undisputed Era was able to do uh, within NXT and making a dominant tag team seem like a big deal, which NXT is always good at, at doing, but this was also a faction on top of it. Uh, I'm going to agree with you, Rad. I'm not going to fight you on this one. <laughs> Undisputed Era. Yeah. Ready. Surprised with myself. All right. <laughs> uh, most Improved. Nominees this is a are. Very good list. This yeah. is this was this was tough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hangman Page and I did. I I think I'm pretty sure I added a couple 
uh, in here. Hangman Page, Jamie Hayter, David Starr, Jay White, Velveteen Dream, and Tessa Blanchard. We got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six people. Yep. Who we got? Very good list. And of these six, I've narrowed it down to three. Okay. Uh, Hangman Page, not my pick. However, I think he had an incredible year, and he's Ooh. definitely up for a push. Just keeps on uh, uh, moving on up. Um, uh, you know, definitely has a bright future ahead of him. And now I, I think uh, he's one of the originals for uh, All Elite Wrestling. So he'll definitely have a good year in 2019. Uh, however, I just think that compared to the other two, uh, he might have not captured that magic. Um, Jay White would probably be another guy that I'd go with. Uh, I think he's also another one who has accomplished a lot. Uh, he's pretty much uh, uh, getting a, a push right now on his way to the very top at such a very young age. Mm -hmm. Has an incredible character behind his whole uh, Switchblade uh, thing going on. Very cool stuff. Um, however, I think from this list, the uh, the one that I got to go with is Velveteen Dream. Uh, I just think that guy is amazing as a character, uh, amazing performer in the ring, had some really cool matches on NXT TakeOver, and uh, you can just definitely see the passion and the wrestling that he grew up with, because it reminds me of a lot of the character work from the 80s and 90s, you know, something sure. that you probably would see on WWF TV in 1990. So this guy really nails it. So I would have to go with Velveteen Dream, definitely the most improved character and in-ring work. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, I'm gonna make the case for Jay White then, uh, based on Alrighty. based on your uh, you narrowing it narrowing it down to three. Uh, from a women's yep. perspective, uh, I think uh, Tessa Blanchard's the easy choice uh, with Jamie Hader as two. Um, but with uh, I'm gonna first go why not Velveteen Dream, and I think a lot has to do with. Uh, he came into his character at the tail end of 2017 with his match against Aleister Black. And that's when the buzz was created. And the, the buzz continued into 2018, uh, slowly but surely, while Jay White, uh, everything started in the year with his, um, with his match at, with Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, and then he went on to... Uh, an immediate program to take the U.S. title from Kenny Omega, which he won. And then he defended the title a few times, uh, had an amazing match with Juice Robinson. That led into the G1, where he beat both Omega and Tana... Or not Omega, uh, Okada and Tanahashi. And that was kind of the rise of the Jay White uh, becoming a main event type player. Oh, yeah. Then... He went to a program where he became the fucking Bullet Club leader, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of the year, he he's now being pushed as a top star. Uh, Velveteen Dream, yes, he's good. I don't disagree with anything you said. However, I just he he's not. He still has a little bit to improve upon getting to the top of the card. Uh, but then the case could be exactly like Jay White. Uh, it's very tough to Absolutely. say. Absolutely, and in in that sense, I would have to blame uh, booking. Uh, you know, obviously, he's only going to get to the top if WWE allows it. Right. Um, As per JY, who is pretty much already there. Again, you know, he's a young, 
what, 25, 26 year old. And now he's already the leader of high profile, uh, you know, villain stable bullet club. I, I mean, that's amazing. And, and that's the difference. I think, uh, I think the confidence uh, with the rise of the, of the, um, how improved the person is, is a sense of the booking that they're a part of. And I think Jay White edges out Velveteen Dream in that sense. I think they've yeah. both been so equal in a lot of, in a lot of the reasons that we've mentioned here. I just think the booking is what edges out Jay White. So what, what say you, Rad? Are we going, are you going with me oh. or are we, are we just going to make this a, a, the first tie? <laughs> yeah uh i don't know i think i still personal pick velveteen dream but again jay white already came in into close second either way and a lot of the points that you made are very real and very valid uh so you know there you have it it's a one and one here all right um so ty or jay white your call all right i'll go with jay white jay white all righty yeah I think a lot of uh, Switchblade fans are very happy with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, again, and I just want to let everybody know who's listening right now, or maybe later. Uh, <laughs> I, I am a Jay White fan, even uh, considering that I'm a Kenny Omega fan. I know a lot of the Kenny Omega uh, fans aren't a fan of Jay White because they consider him Kenny Omega 2.0. But Ooh. because of that, I, I I do like the way uh, you know his his promos his in-ring performance and just the character that he brings he, he really comes off as as a villain you know and that looks that looks awesome on TV, yes so. yeah yeah i agree yeah um good stuff that that came down to new japan versus wwe at the end that was, that was pretty cool mm-hmm. all right my probably one of my uh, favorite categories is most overrated <laughs> and i've parentheses no, this as the worst push so this uh, overrated in this sense means the company uh, saw them as so over that they yeah. got put in situations that they probably shouldn't have been in. And uh, the nominees, and I came up with three of them, and I, I think uh, they're pretty obvious here. Uh, personally, it's uh, Baron Corbin, uh, Justin Sizem from World of Sport. He ended up being the champion for most of the show. <laughs> Ever heard of him? Exactly. <laughs> Good point. And Carmella. For her, 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 for her summer title reign. Oh my god! You made it too easy for me, JD. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my pick from this list, my overrated worst push wrestler of the year, definitely is Carmella. Uh, I don't think she should have been anywhere near the the main title picture for the uh, the women's championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the push she got was not deserved. I don't know what WWE sees in her. And she just straight up pisses me off on TV. I actually legitimately hate her, whether she's uh, healed or not. Uh, I gave her a chance many years ago when she first came on board, but it just her gimmick, her the dancing, the way she talks, the stuff that she's involved in. It's just I'm not having any of it. So my personal opinion on this is Carmella definitely got the uh, most overrated, worst push of the year, in my opinion. Hmm. I think you may have convinced me because before I was going to say Baron Corbin because he's been in the constant <laughs> main event picture of Raw. Right. Uh, major. Here, st- he's the focus of major storylines. Yeah. A, a, a lot of throughout the year. I mean, he even came up as like the the corporate asshole, you know, making everybody's lives a living hell. Oh, well, but yeah. You know, in a real bad way. <laughs> in a very bad way. But uh, one thing I will give Baron Corbin is obviously let, let's blame the booking here, right? 
Uh, however, the heat that he received, I would like to say, is legitimate heat in the sense mm-hmm. that people were booing him and hated him because he was uh, he was definitely heel. So the work was there. Again, not the best of booking, but uh, he's definitely a guy that I would probably still like to see perform, granted that he's booked in the right position. You okay. see in Carmela's case, I, I just can't get involved. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm done with Carmela. Okay. Can't stand her. Uh, then She's I like will... Nikki Bella on steroids, you know? It's like, I just can't stand her. You know what? I, I think I think I'm going to agree with you on Carmela. Uh, yeah. she, she was single-handedly involved in um, ruining the character of Asuka. Yes. Like, systematically made her look so stupid. Her wrestling... I don't know whether the, you know, people involved told her to not wrestle, but that certainly is what happened. She, you know, I, I swear I watched a match this year of Carmella versus Charlotte and looked like Charlotte was wrestling a broomstick. That's how bad Carmella is in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, she showed, it, the, like, the one sliver of hope we saw was in the triple threat match that she's just kind of in because she happened to lose the title. She had no business yeah. being in that triple threat. She did... Uh, she did a dive, she did a couple moves, I'm like, oh, look, she can do something, but that's not what we got. We got a title reign, uh, fans became so turned off by her, just no interest at all, and look where she is now, right after she lost the title, now she's in a dance break segment. Yeah. She's not in any picture. Still cringe. It's, uh... You know, whether you're a fan of it or not is a different story entirely, but the fact Mm -hmm. that she went from champion to now her whole gimmick is a six, de- six second dance break. It, it, to me, it's, it parallels the Jinder Mahal failed uh, experiment from 2017. Yep. So I agree, Carmella. Worst. Overrated of the year. And I've had people argue with me that she, uh, she did good, but not on, this oh po- not, not on this podcast. She's the most overrated of 2018. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep it that way. Please. All right. Uh, our next category is most underrated. And I've bracketed this as under the radar success. So had a lot of success in 2018, ah, but because okay. more people got uh, buzz over them, we kind of forgot about them a little bit. And the yeah. nominees are Kento Miyahara in all Japan wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, all Japan pro wrestling. Um, you know, the ace of the company single-handedly uh, Minoru Suzuki. Uh, won the IC title was, uh, he had, um, the hair versus hair match against Goto at Kingdom. Uh, he's had an amazing run with Suzuki Goon uh, as tag champs in RPW. He was the champion of RPW for a short while with great match, great feud against Ishii. Uh, the list goes on there. Uh, Mustafa Ali, kind of the heart of 205 Live, who who by the end of the year found himself in a full time role on SmackDown of all things. Yeah. Good for uh, him. While we got guys like Almas and Nakamura in the shithole currently. That's unfortunate, though. <laughs> but that just shows the rise of Ali. And yeah. then uh, Pete Dunne with his calendar, full calendar year UK title run. And just good matches overall. I don't think he, I saw a bad match with Pete Dunne in 2018. Personally. True. So, yeah. uh, this one's really hard to uh, pick, but I'm going to go with Pete Dunne. Okay. He, he was, uh, to me, the uh, most consistent performer. He had the title for the entire year. Uh, he's the face of an up-and-coming promotion, NXT UK in this case. Uh, 
and all of his work on the indie scene in the UK and doing what it was. Plus, in my opinion, his uh, best match, I think, yeah, I would say it's his best match, was uh, at the Wembley show from Progress against Ilya Dragunov. was his best single performance of the year. Singles performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tag matches and whatnot. He was even involved with the, uh, the War Games match as well, and he was injured and still put in a, a great a great showing. Yeah, just goes to show you the kind of performer he is. It pains me that I couldn't... I uh, I picked him over Minoru Suzuki. Hopefully I won't die. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got, Red? Uh, okay, so I can definitely see it with uh, with Pete Dunne. Um, however, I wouldn't consider him underrated. Only because uh, I think he already had a lot of buzz behind him. There's so many people on... Uh, social media from the wrestling community that I'm part of that really support him. He's even considered one of their favorites. And I just saw his name pop up everywhere. You know, it didn't matter what he was involved in or what you watched. Hmm. You definitely heard the name Pete Dunn. So with that being said, and only coming in at a close second um, to, to what you picked, uh, my pick would probably have to be Ali. Um, Again, I, I think I've pretty much stated my opinion on 205 Live. I never cared for the product at all. But the one guy that really stood There's out... There's no reason to either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, was was Mustafa Ali. Um, I, I just think he's an incredible performer. He has a badass entrance with a badass costume. And uh, not only that, but I'm really a fan of the guy because of the type of person he is in real life. He just seems very humble. He's a good father. Always uh, you know, bringing focus to his daughter. Uh, you know, which is something I can relate to. And with that being said, it just wins points in my book because he just seems like a very nice guy in real life. Uh, and, and I think he deserves a lot more success. So I'm really glad that now he's on SmackDown and he was involved in that. Uh, what was it? The high profile tag team match that he had uh, with AJ Styles, maybe about two weeks ago. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm just glad to see him in that position, and maybe it'll bring him more exposure, and uh, you know he can uh, definitely have a better program uh, this year. Now I'm not here to tell you that he's going to have the best year ever, or that he might even rise to you know mainstream stardom or anything like that. But this is what this category is for. So I would have to go with my most underrated wrestler of the year, under the radar success would be Mustafa Ali. All right, uh, you. He deserves so much more. You have convinced me. Ali, most underrated. Okay. Uh, Young Newbie of the Year. This is kind of our Rookie of the Year award. Cool. The nominees are Ronda Rousey, Utami Hayashishita over in Stardom, and Brian Pillman Jr. from MLW. <laughs> Mr. Instagram Story <laughs> himself. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who you got and why, Rad? I think this one's going to be a tough, tough one for you. Um, just because I, I don't think you're too familiar with uh, two of the names on here. I'm familiar with Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, just really haven't seen uh, many matches from the guy. Mm-hmm. But because of social media, I'm aware of his existence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's a good thing then. That means he's yeah. getting some some buzz. <laughs> um, have you seen his moonsaulting that... cats promo with Teddy Hart? <laughs> no, I have not. Yeah. Him and yeah, Teddy Hart are cutting a promo in a hotel room and they have cats in their arms and they're, they're just like, we're going to moonsault you to death and they flip their cat. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I got to see that. It's pretty Send funny. Send me a link later. Yeah. It's on MLW's YouTube page. You can find it. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. I think I'm subscribed to the to them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely from these three names, it's actually an easy one for me. And I would have to go with Ronda Rousey. Ever since she came on board, she 
really created an impact of boom. She was talked about everywhere. Ronda Rousey, you know, he's going to you know, be a wrestler mm-hmm. in WWE. He made her debut right after the uh, first ever women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, went on to have a better than I thought match at WrestleMania. I even think going back to the beginnings of our uh, podcast, I considered it my match of the nights uh, only because she really surprised me in what she could do. Um, I believe you did say that, yeah. Yeah. So, so with that being said, and everything that she's accomplished, uh, I'm not much of a Ronda Rousey fan, and I think she might be uh, pushed over the top just because of of who she is, or what her name is, or what she's accomplished in mm-hmm. the world of sports, MMA, uh, UFC. Uh, however, I think she pretty much had a standout standout year from beginning to end. Uh, became the Raw Women's Champion, and uh, you know, there's a potential uh, rivalry. Or, or uh, uh, I think she's already in a rivalry. Potential main event match at WrestleMania against Becky Lynch. So I would love to see Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. So yeah, my uh, young newbie of the year definitely goes to Ronda Rousey. So, so what about her work in the ring uh, as a single star? Because that's okay. what okay. that's that to me. That's what's when, when I look at Utami Hayashishita and what she's done she just debuted in august mind you and she was immediately in the five-star grand prix the uh the women's g1 if you will and she almost mm-hmm. won the damn thing as a rookie uh and then she went on to win the tag titles right after that in the um tag league that they have so and her fucking finisher is a torture rack for christ's sake uh <laughs> I think from an in-ring standpoint, Utami is miles better than Ronda Rousey, and that has a lot to do with the difference in pushing. WWE is for kind of that mainstream star power, which Rousey yeah. certainly has over Utami. I'm not denying that in any way. I think that's a that's a slam dunk win for Rousey. But from the in-ring standpoint, I think Utami is the much better wrestler. So now the question is, which is more important for the year? name power or performance correct yeah uh yeah i definitely agree with you as per in-ring performance is concerned obviously ronda rousey's not the you know the greatest technical wrestler that there ever was uh she definitely is uh you know she she lacks a lot of in-ring uh capability um how much do you think she's going to improve though or is wwe just going to continue this oh man that's what worries me and that's what's keeping me because i haven't seen much much of it right i I think she pretty much already plateaued and we haven't seen anything new from her uh we're seeing the same gist where you know she just has a smile on her face she does a couple of moves she's pulling the shorts out of her backside right constantly Uh, (laughs) yes it's the same thing every single night and i think she's already plateaued where that's the best that we're going to get but again, WWE's way of booking, and this has been since the very beginning of time, even before Vince McMahon Jr. bought the company from mm-hmm. his father. You know, you had guys like Bruno San Martino, then, you know, uh, Vince McMahon Jr. bought the company, had guys like Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, they, they just kind of like draw their their product around a big name, and that that's where it ends. It doesn't matter what five moves of dooms that they have and whatnot. That's just where it's going to end. So unfortunately, I agree with you. I think uh, Ronda Rousey's not going to improve. Uh, this is what we're always going to see, but that will not affect how she's booked ever. Okay. 
In that so, case, then um, I'm I'm going with Utami then because yeah. I've, we've already seen vast improvement since August, and she's only getting Definitely. better. And uh, I I saw a couple of matches uh, from her uh, in in 2018, so I would have to say she's an amazing performer, and she's only going to get better. So it's amazing what you know 2019 has in store for her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Rookie of the year, Tommy oh, Hayashishita. How about that, Ronda Rousey marks? <laughs> she did not win Rookie of the Year. That makes me happy. Yeah. No, if you're not familiar sure with most of the uh, viewers you get, either way. Sure. <laughs> yeah, they're like so totally anti WWE. <laughs> if they really want to listen to New Japan, WXW, all that good stuff. So I think they agree as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the push of Utami. Um, I think she's a star in stardom. So. Yes, indeed. Um, we're getting to the end of this now. Uh, for the first half, uh, most or no best pop of the year. This is just a fun little category, and I and I uh, three stood out to me. Um, the return of Ilya Dragunov at 16 karat gold night two in WXW. The crowd became yeah. unlit, like beer was thrown in the air. It was insane. Yep. Uh, that Amazing was to see for a smaller crowd than what we're yeah. Seeing. Uh, to me, that was the turning point of WXW as as becoming a major promote major indie promotion in Europe. They've always been on that cusp of breaking the gl glass ceiling and that pop alone kind of put them over the edge. Uh it made it made to me must watch that was a big big turn. Uh number 2 is Becky Lynch turns at turns on Charlotte at SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh huge ovation, the start of the man deal, uh months and months of frustration of Becky Lynch and the women's division as a whole in 2018, I think, was very frustrating up until that point. Mm -hmm. uh, Cody turning face to help the Bullet Club from the Tongas at the G1 Special in New Japan. So, got a that's a good one. A lot of different, a lot of different types of pops here. Yeah. Um, to me, it's uh, I think for more mainstream, I, th I think I'm going to go with a tie immediately uh, between the Becky Lynch and Ilya Dragunov pops because from a mainstream perspective, Becky Lynch like became something bigger and more. Yeah. Uh and then from an indie perspective, uh Dragon Off the Dragon Off pop made WXW like what it became in twenty eighteen. So I can't I personally I just can't decide between the two. I think this is gonna be my first tie. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. It's it's literally difference between mainstream and indie. So what do you got, Rad? Okay, I think uh, from these three, the two that stand out the most are the ones that you definitely picked as a tie. Um, I remember you sending me the uh, the link and mentioning what had happened with Dragunov, and when I actually saw it, that was probably the biggest pop I had ever witnessed. Considering that you know it was it was more of an indie crowd, and it sounded like something that you would hear on WWE programming. So it was just amazing to see everybody you know really popped and stood on their feet for this guy and. Everybody just went nuts. It, it, that was really cool. Um, however, and mainstream aside, I would have to go with Becky Lynch turning on Charlotte at SummerSlam. Now, my personal experience with that was that I was actually traveling uh, out of town uh, that day. So mm -hmm. I, I was pretty much going to miss half of the show, which isn't a big deal because I think SummerSlam was just way too long and a lot of the card <laughs> I didn't really care about. But uh, I, I had it on in the background as I was driving and I had the uh, my phone, you know, the WWE Network airing and 
when that moment happened, as I was driving, I actually marked out. I was like, oh my God, heel turn, heel turn. And I think everybody in the crowd really, I mean, we just didn't see it happening, you know? Uh, Becky Lynch came in, Charlie. I didn't even see it as a heel turn. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and that's another thing. Even though a lot of people described it to be a heel turn, it really wasn't. I think it just elevated Becky Lynch into like superstardom, and Charlie immediately became the person to boo. Uh, which was unfortunate, uh, you know, at the time, because I didn't think she deserved that. Uh, However, the pop itself was just amazing. I didn't see it coming. And this was uh, kind of like her Austin 316 Mm -hmm. uh, moment. And again, this is something that doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a good person or, you know, a, a bad person in life. If your best friend did this to you, I think everybody would react the same way. So uh, she definitely embodies that. Becky Lynch turning on Charlotte is my uh, best pop of the year. All right, we'll go with that then, because I just couldn't decide. Sure Um, Most unique match of the year. Uh, Another fun one. Uh, Nominees are the Sammy Callahan, Eddie Edwards fight in the woods. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Kazuchika Okada, Minoru Suzuki match in the rain. Uh, Ilya Dragunov, Bobby Guns, the match ruined by love. Hmm. Yeah, that was the one with the 18-minute chant over the entire match. Oh yeah, I remember you mentioning that. That's yeah. Right. Uh, to me, it's the Okada Suzuki match in the rain. I've never seen anything like it. Like I've seen matches with chanting the entire time. Uh, I've seen. Um, you know, we saw the the mower of lawns from this year of of Bray yeah. Wyatt and and uh, Matt Hardy. It's definitely a fight in the woods. <laughs> Uh, the Callahan Edwards fight in the woods was really funny with um, with uh, even Callahan saying, let's do this, motherfucker. <laughs> and then and then Edwards stabbing Callahan with a with a I think it was like a a cow skull or a steer skull, <laughs> the horn of it <laughs> into yeah. a tree. Callahan escapes kind of deal. But the Okada Suzuki match in the rain was I've never seen anything like it. Uh, outdoor match Suzuki's I think like 35th anniversary is what it was uh, yeah. the guys are slipping all over the place the crowd you know the rain's coming down the most beautiful like wrestling shots I've seen in decades um, I was just in awe the entire time so that gets uh, that gets my my nomination how about you Red or do you have any same others here. you want to yeah same thing okay yeah no no I, I definitely agree with you on that it was just a uh, very unique and uh that that's uh, my pick as well for most unique match of the year. Excellent. All right. Kata Suzuki match in the rain. Uh, best pay-per-view of the year. We got the nominees are New Japan's Dominion, uh, NXT New Orleans, and Progress Chapter 76 at Wembley. Very tough. I think it's going to be Dominion. That's mine. Best mat- Best wrestling match ever. Um, Jericho, Naito, I think that was also Skrull Osprey, I believe. I believe. Something like that. <laughs> um, all three of these were top to bottom amazing cards. Uh, not yeah. a bad match on them. That's why they're on here. I think uh, just the the, be- the best pay-per-view has the best match. That's the way I look at it, and Dominion embodied that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh, Dominion here as well. I think the uh, the card was stacked. Uh, best match of the year and what Naito and Jericho have been doing starting from last year, stemming from last year, 2018, uh, has been good stuff. So, All right. Promotion of the year. 
we got New Japan, Progress Wrestling, WXW, and WWE NXT. Too easy. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> New Japan? Yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. That's my pick. Yeah, that one's easy. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do really like what Progress and WXW were able to right. accomplish. Not, not to take away anything yeah. from the other guys. I think you, you put together an incredible list, but bottom line when it comes down to who has the best wrestling cards, the best wrestlers, the best stories, everything going on. Uh, New Japan is just at the top of my list. So promotion of the year, New Japan Pro Wrestling yeah. all the way. So good. You got a subscription. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Rad Zero approved. Yeah. Uh, and now just for the last one, just for a little fun, it's uh, your prediction uh, for the early contenders wrestler of the year for 2019. The nominees, uh, and you can add, uh, so be it. I uh, got Pac, a.k.a. Adrian Neville. Jay White and David Starr. Definitely Jay White. Jay White, yeah, I think um, with what we saw at Wrestle or Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash, yeah, it's uh, I think we just um, mentioned that it looks like it's going to be his year. So yeah, early it looks like for rest yeah. of the year. Breathe with the Switchblade, indeed. Uh, I think uh, with the matches we're seeing from Pac already lined up with an OTT. Uh, and RPW facing Osprey and Valter, like um, he's going to be close. But uh, for long-term booking, uh, I think story trumps singular matches. So, uh, anyone else come to mind who might be uh, in that early contention? I think Osprey, you know, could could make a good run again. I think he'll have a good run, but us. Far as uh, you know, calling him maybe rest of the year, I'm not really sure uh, he can accomplish that. Only because mm -hmm. he's being compared to so many other names out there that I think definitely have that title. And uh, from the three names that you mentioned, yeah, just narrowed down to Jay White. Uh, I think he's uh, he 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 really has it. And 2019 looks like it's going to be his year. Okay. All right. Well, that concludes our podcast awards for all those categories. And now we're going to get into uh, the, the math of what makes a wrestler of the year and our best matches from 2018. So I got, cool. um, since, uh, uh, just for you, Rad, um, we'll take a little break because I think you, uh, you need one, right? Is that what you're hitting at? Yeah, I was just going to ask a quick intermission. I'm going to go ahead and get myself another drink here. So give me maybe about a minute. All right, quick intermission. So we'll do that. Yeah, quick intermission, and then we'll get uh, ongoing with the uh, podcast awards discussion. Indeed. Ready? Awesome. Be right back. How does Kevin try to defend a possibly bad video game? I'm telling you, that was the <laughs> worst mean, part of the game. Be, you're trying to make logic out of it. Man, you game. just the like... same for D. <laughs> I just, I, I think it's a good. I think it's an like. I think it's above average. I'm not saying it's great. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. It's just like, all right, maybe it's the fact that it's an acid trip, like in a cartridge. Yeah, I suppose. Maybe that's why I thought it was fun. I, don't I just know. also thought it was funny when you would turn the game on. It's just Freddy Krueger standing there. It's like, oh, TM. it's like, all right, let's do this. The Freddy Krueger, you fucking pop in and you hear this goofy ass music. You can listen to further banter from the Red Leaf Retrocast via iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting outlets. And now, back to our regular show. Alrighty, so this is our second half 
of the podcast, WrestleCast episode 21, 2018 Wrestling of the Year. Uh, we just went through our uh, non-podcast awards, the uh, the Wrestlers of the Year Japan, who uh, we came to Omega, Wrestler of the Year Europe, uh, whom was a Valter, Wrestler of the Year North America, Johnny Gargano, Women's Wrestler of the Year Becky Lynch, Outstanding Performer Will Ospreay, Feud of the Year Gargano Champa, Tag Team of the Year uh, Undisputed Era of Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, Most Improved Jay White, Most Overrated aka Worst Push Carmella, Most Underrated the Under the Radar Success Mustafa Ali, uh, Rookie of the Year Utami Hayashashita, Mm-hmm. Uh, best pop, Becky Lynch turns on Charlotte at SummerSlam. Most unique, Okada Suzuki match in the rain. Best pay-per-view, Dominion, promotion, New Japan. And uh, our prediction for wrestler of the year, at least the big-time early contender, is Jay White. So cool stuff. Yes. That was a lot of fun. Um, a lot more WWE names on there than I, I thought there was going to be uh, for what we agreed <laughs> with. interesting. But, yeah. Hey. Uh, at least they're doing something right, I guess, in, in the end. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Not a lot of main roster talent, though. At all. I think that's something uh, to to make of note. Which isn't a good thing for the top promotion in the world. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Self-proclaimed. The only name that stood out was the men. <laughs> Self Self-proclaimed top promotion in the world. We said it was New Japan, so... <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is something we've kept track of all year for the podcast. This is uh, the rankings. And um, we got uh, top 10 matches. We got women's. We have the indie matches. We have the top 10 matches from New Japan CMLL uh, Ring of Honor. And then uh, WWE and then we'll finish it out with our top 25 mathematical uh, rankings from the podcast of 2018, uh, which I think ha- came to um, something that's very interesting for how someone, I guess, performed all year on a constant basis is, is a way to look at it. We'll start with the women's matches. What do you say, Red? Let's do it. All right. So um, we'll work our way up from 10 to 1. Uh, at Coming in at number 10 is uh, Kaylee Ray versus Viper in ICW. That's the uh, Scottish promotion. It it was a death match at Fear and Loathing, the biggest uh, pay-per-view of the year for them and arguably the biggest in Europe every year. So that came in at number 10. Um, You might uh, recognize that match with the the awesome trash can full of tacks uh, spilling over. I believe it was uh, Viper. Yes, that came in at number 10. I I didn't see the match, match. but I remember seeing clips on that. Yeah. Um, Kaylee Ray and Viper are arguably the two best women in, in Europe not signed to NXT UK. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It was very surprising. They, were, they ended up uh, with World of Sport. I think that uh, goes for it. Uh, number nine is Jungle Kiona versus Kagetsu from the Five Star Grand Prix over in Stardom. Um, I believe it was also the match in Stardom that was, uh, or at least the fans in Stardom voted for that as well. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, definitely shows. Yeah, a very a very good match. Jungle Kiona was definitely a uh, uh, a wrestler I um, got behind and kind of fell in love with in Stardom. So I've been watching Stardom for a few years now, and Jungle Kiona never really kind of stood out to me. I guess uh, the the Kyrie the Kyrie Hojo slash Kyrie Sane, uh, Io Shirai, um, 
you know, Viper, all the other talent, the foreign talent that would come in. Jungle Kiona was just always kind of in the background, and she really uh, came into her own this year, and that match is a good example of how far she's come. Uh, why don't you uh, do the next two, then? Fred? Okay, uh, coming in at number eight, you have uh, Satomura versus Tony Storm. That was the semifinals in the May Young Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must say that that was a uh, one hell of a match. A lot it of it was, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. At the was... at the end of it, that you saw bruises over Tony Storm for how much uh, she took the strong style of Mako Satomura. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was uh, a lot of good uh, stuff that went on in that match. It was uh, back and forth. Uh, uh, these uh, two women uh, just gave an incredible performance. So I uh, definitely agree with that. That has the uh, number eight spot. And then uh, moving on over to, uh, okay, this is number seven, right? You want to mm -hmm. help me out with the uh, pronunciations here, JD? Okay. Uh, Takumi Iroha versus there Mayu Iwatani. Okay. And yeah, I didn't see that match. This was, uh, well, I did send you the link. Um, I guess you just never got around to it. It took place on August 8th of 2018 uh, from the promotion yeah. Marvelous, which is a uh, a smaller women's promotion in Japan. It was a cross-promotion with Stardom, uh, and this went to a 20-minute draw. It was kind of the ace versus ace kind of match. Oh, wait, no, I think I did see it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I saw this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, really cool match. Uh, it, it It definitely had a split crowd. It was really cool. Uh, it definitely shows kind of the, the next generation of women's wrestlers coming in. Uh, women's wrestling has, the last, I want to say, five years or so, has really uh, come back into the limelight in Japan, which is really nice to see. Yeah. This is a good example of that. All right, I'll do the uh, the next two. Um, Very cool. Both coming out of stardom. Number six, Momo Watanabe versus Mayu Iwatani for the stardom white belt uh, at True Fight. Straight wrestling match, Momo Watanabe's like fucking, I think, 20, 19 or some shit. She's really young. <laughs> yeah. And Mayu's kind of taken over that ace role, uh, or the Tanahashi role in stardom now that uh, Shirai and Kairi are gone. And uh, just, a, just a good straight wrestling match. Um, definitely showcased how good each, each other were or are. And then uh, before that is the uh, number five, Io Shirai versus Momo Watanabe for the, for the same belt at Shining Gold Star. This was kind of Io Shirai's passing of the torch to the next star in stardom. You can uh, kind of fill in the blanks there. And these are all matches we've covered on the podcast as well. Uh, yeah, I want to say that might have been another one I saw. Yeah, you definitely saw this one. I yeah, remember. Yeah, because I, I know you give me a lot of links, so I think I did see that one. Yeah. Um... And uh, why don't you take? Why don't you talk about the next match? Because I know you saw this one, or number four. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was uh, Becky Lynch versus Asuka versus Charlotte. That was the SmackDown Women's Championship at TLC. One hell of a match. Uh, if this was an opinionated uh, list, I would probably have to definitely go with that one as my uh, women's match of the year. I just thought it was incredible. Oh, uh, so over over a match we'll talk about in a little little bit then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. That, but, but hey, hey, no, we'll come no, back. We'll come back to that because, then. 
yeah, I definitely agree that that that's you know should it should be where it's at. Uh, however, going back to TLC, uh, I just thought the uh, it was incredible performances from all three women. Becky Lynch again really stood out. She had her spots. Uh, I didn't agree with the finish, nor with what took place after, but I can see why, and I'm glad that they're still continuing this potential uh, feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Ronda Rousey came out and kind of got like her revenge against, uh, you know, the women there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, for the match itself, based on performance alone, uh, Becky Lynch really shined, and this match was incredible. Uh, I'm still a DVD collector, but there's not many WWE DVDs that I pick up this uh, today. But as soon as TLC hits the uh, store shelves, I'm definitely gonna pick that one up for my library based on this match alone. So interesting. Yeah, it even was has really that good. even has that Brian Styles one v one match that was excellent. Yes, um, yes, another good match. On all right. The card. Uh, so I'll let you handle the number one, and then I'll talk about three and two from here. Yeah. Uh, number three is Sukasa Fujimoto versus Maya Yukihi uh, from Ice Ribbon 906, the 10th anniversary show for the Ice Infinity title, their main title. Um, I've always wanted to, you know, kind of broaden my horizons on uh, women's wrestling and, um, you know, branch out from stardom. And a promotion I discovered this year is Ice Ribbon. A promotion started basically spearheaded by uh, Manami Toyota and her hand-picked um, student, I guess, is Sukasa Fujimoto, the main kind of ace of that promotion, and the up-and-coming star of Maya Yukihi. And to me, this was A, the quintessential strong-style women's match of mm-hmm. the year. It was, it ran a long time, I think, from a 1v1 non-stipulation perspective. uh, It was the best singles match of the year for the women. And these two just kicked the shit out of each other. I mean, we talked about how Mako Satomura and Tony Storm left Tony Storm battered and bruised. That is nothing compared to what Maya Yukihi looked like uh, post this match. As Tsukasa Fujimoto is thanking her in the ring and cutting a promo of, you know, what a great fight that was. Maya Yukihi looked like she suffered multiple concussions and broken arm that she was just so battered through strong style. It was like it made me fall. This was the match that made me fall in love with Ice Ribbon and wanting to watch it every month now. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was that damn good. But even with that being said, it still didn't quite reach the level that number two did, and that was Tessa Blanchard versus Mercedes Martinez, uh, Rise of the Knockouts, July 7th, uh, for the title, the 75-minute Iron Woman match, breaking the record for the longest singles women's match in North America. Mm -hmm. Uh, The booking behind this was absolutely outstanding. The heel work by Mercedes Martinez was on point. The, uh, usually in Impact, we've only been, uh, experiencing heel tessa blanchard well this is a great case of babyface tessa blanchard and just being the fighting champion and just having that it factor uh everything about this match just speaks volumes to what you want out of a wrestling match and it being 75 minutes never lost my interest all the way from mercedes martinez uh zip tying tessa to the uh, guardrail and then the re- referee reversing the decision saying you can't do that uh to the crazy end where mercedes martinez didn't want to lose a pinfall so she kept falling outside the ring and hiding under the ring uh just great 
great booking here and a great women's match. Um, Excellent. To me, it was a great example of how far women's wrestling has come. Yeah. Uh, but still, there's one better. What is it, Rad? Yes, there is, and I totally agree with this as the uh, number one spot for the women's uh, uh, match of the year, and that is Becky Lynch versus Charlotte uh, for the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship at uh, Evolution. Oh, man, what a freaking match that was. Uh, amazing. Um, uh, it definitely stood out as a match of the night. It definitely stands out as match of the year. Uh that spot when Becky Lynch jumped off the ladder onto Charlotte into the uh, table is mm-hmm. probably an iconic image that'll that'll last uh, decades. Just amazing what that woman has done. Uh, so yeah, definitely agree with this. It was a really good match. Yeah, and for what the pay per view stood for, um, you know, yeah, WWE is late to the party. They always are, uh, but they 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 nailed the match. The women involved went to another level. Charlotte, especially, mm-hmm. uh, I think her character. This was a turn for her. We've seen, I've seen nothing but improvement from a character's perspective. I always thought that was the weakest part of her, uh, from a ring standpoint. Um. You know, the image of her rising up from the chairs and Lynch going, oh, hell no, <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. Um, why would you say the triple threat was better? Or did you do you not think that anymore? Um, I don't know. I just remember being on the edge of my seat uh, for both of the matches, as I would say. Uh, maybe I would just consider them maybe a match of the year if anything i just mm-hmm. really uh loved the match between the three women and i think uh becky lynch and charlotte already have an established rivalry and oscar being in such a high profile match which she hadn't had in a while ever since she came on board onto the main roster uh i just think this is what this is the match she deserved and it just showed uh you know you just saw the passion from all three women involved and i just really liked that match at uh, tlc but when you reminded me of what went on at evolution yeah i definitely agree with that that was match of the night you had a simple one-on-one becky lynch versus charlotte and uh, again just that iconic image of becky lynch jumping off the ladder onto the table that's something that we would have never dreamed about seeing uh you know one year five year 10 year 20 years uh, ago uh so definitely really stood out as what women's evolution was or is all about right uh so that's that's our those are our 10 top women's matches of 2018 um yep really good year for women's wrestling uh yeah it definitely was um, i'm glad it's it's where it's at right now yeah um vastly different from the charlotte sasha banks uh 2016 run or was that 2017 one of those two years uh from a few years ago mm-hmm. all right well our top 10 indie matches of the year so this is our non-wwe non-new japan non-ring of honor non-mexico uh dealio so this entails a lot of like progress wrestling wxw noah you know all those other promotions out there that a lot of people may may overlook uh just because Jay-Z's it's category indie this is this is my bread and butter <laughs> um this the, the this this was a really fun list to make and uh, deliberation of of what what's good and uh, you know what's just another indie match and um, so uh, number ten is 
Uh, it was also in the most unique match category, and that was Ilya Dragunov versus Bobby Guns, the interim uh, WXW champion at World Tag Team League Night 2. This was the match ruined by love. It was just so bizarre seeing a crowd chant the same thing for the entire match, and it was also a really good match, the rise of Bobby Guns <clears throat> after winning Shortcut to the Top, their Rumble. This was his title match against the champion, or the interim champion, Ilya Dragunov, through story purposes, uh, Dragunov's rise to the top of the card since <clears throat> 16 karat gold. Like, this was kind of the culmination of two stars, two new stars within the company meeting each other 1v1. It was it was just so good to see. And that's number mm -hmm. 10. Um, why don't you talk... Oh, and one other thing I must mention is if... The, if there was more than one match between two people, uh, the matches are culminated into one singular match. That's That way we can talk about more matches on the card as well. Or more matches for a top 10. Oh, okay. So, that gives you a, a good idea of why some things are above others, uh, and etc. going down. So, um, what's number 9, Rad? Uh, number nine, Indie Match of the Year, is TCK versus LAX for the uh, tag titles. That was at Progress Coast to Coast in New York, Chapter 80. Uh, this is a match I did not see, so I don't know, maybe you want to touch base on okay. that, JD. Why did it make the list? So there's actually two matches. They faced each other twice. There's the Coast to Coast New York City uh, match, and then there's their Chapter 80 match. Uh, a great example of what tag team wrestling is nowadays in 2018. You know, a lot of people, you know, when you watch a WWE tag tag match, it's always, it's always kind of that same formula. The heel beats up the, uh, the face tag team uh, guy. And then there's a hot tag and then the faces win, or there's a screwy finish by the heels. You know, that's the formula sure. that WWE has. It never changes. It's the same thing uh, ever over and over again until they have like some sort of stipulation match to give them an excuse to not do that formula. Well, the indie tag team formula is very different, and that is you start out slow, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the heels beating up the face guy and working towards a hot tag. What it always seems to work towards is chaos and mayhem where it's just spot, 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 spot until one team gets one over on the other. And these two matches of CCK and LAX is a great example of the characters in the ring and the moves that they do and just a slew of different tag team maneuvers and trying to one-up each other. That's kind of the formula that the indie scene has in the tag team scene. This is, to me, these two teams, when they met, uh, just killed it each time. Um, all it lacked was that story. Otherwise, it would have probably been higher. Uh, number eight is the uh, 1v1 feud between Valter and Dragunov for the WXW title. There was two yeah. matches, True Colors and Superstars of Wrestling. I believe, Rad, you saw the Superstars of Wrestling match. Mm, no, I saw the uh, True Colors. You saw you. the first one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, just a great feud. The rise of Dragunov, Valter uh, being the imposing force, Dragunov overcoming... The first, the first match at True Colors was very uh, they're against each other deal, and then the Superstars of Wrestling was dragging off working the arms. They're two very different matches, but they both accomplished the same thing, and that was getting Dragunov over as champ. Very good stuff. Uh, what did very you think of the stuff. True Colors match then? Yeah, it was uh, it was really good. It was uh, entertaining from start to finish. Um, 
I think what was this the one where there was like a the ref had to uh, restart the match because they almost called it, but uh, I think Walter kept wanting to, or wanted to keep going. Yes, that is that is uh, okay. the one. Yeah, yeah, it, it was just an amazing match. Uh, like I said, entertaining start to finish. Not to take away from the rest of the card because I think it was a phenomenal mm-hmm. card, but this was one hell of a main event. So good stuff. Ready. Uh, what is number seven? Number seven is another Walter match. Walter versus uh, Will Ospreay for the OTT title. That was a uh, fourth year anniversary of, of which show? Of OTT. It's called the fourth oh, year anniversary okay. show. That's the, uh, that's the, um, yeah, you can actually uh, watch this on YouTube, I believe, for free. Now you free can. Free match. Yeah. Uh, it's Osprey Walter. It's exactly what you would you could picture in your mind. Walter's chopping the shit out of the uh, the human <laughs> the human flip machine. You know the aerial yeah. assassin. Um, Osprey had a lot of character work in this match. It was good. Th- this is to me what makes OTT worth watching. Is their main event scene has been solid all year. This was a great match. Describe that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You never got around to watching that one, did you? I don't think so. Bummer. All right, number six, another Volter match. Wait, <laughs> now that I look at the list, I'm like, he's definitely on there. Um, <laughs> versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the Progress title at Chapter 77, Pumpkin Spice Progress. Uh, to me, Rad, this is the best Volter versus Zack Sabre Jr. match. I've seen them go at it a hundred times. Oh, really? This was the best I've seen those two go at each other. Uh, just hard-hitting Zack working elbow joints and ankles and trying to just take down the big man uh Volter working the neck and that affected a lot of zach's uh work in the ring where he even saw uh zach starting to sell the neck more outside of uh progress wrestling into japan after this match it was just really good selling throughout the entire time and really good limb work for both guys that's what separates it from the rest on the list uh, and what's number five? I know you saw this one, Rad. I know you did. I'm pretty sure. I might have seen highlights, but okay. number five is uh, the bro Matt Riddle <laughs> versus Will Ospreay. That was at OTT Scrappermania 4. Uh, so if you want to go to in touch a little bit uh, on this, JV. Um, so unlike the limb work and the hard hitting from the previous two Volter matches, uh, this was Matt Riddle doing Matt Riddle things. A lot of just, there was no resting in this match, no limb work. It was just, we're going to hit each other with fucking awesome moves, and one of us is going to win this match. There was no title on the line, but it had a big match feel. And for that OTT crowd, I've never seen them hotter. Uh, it just edged out the uh, the regional kind of feel that the Valter, uh jordan Devlin title match had. Mm-hmm. But um, this, ma- this match was... It- this was the one that made me go, all right, Matt Riddle's not so bad. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> like, I have, to, I have to give credit where credit's due, and that, that, this was the one that did it. So There you go. And then from there, I think the rest are five stars. Five-star matches. Uh, number four is A-Kid versus Zack Sabre Jr. So Zack Sabre Jr. makes the list again. For, uh, for the Triple W title over in White Wolf Wrestling at TR8, uh, which is the indie promotion out of Spain, Rad. Oh, wow, okay. And this was given five stars by Mr. Dave Meltzer as well. 
this is a great example of how good technical wrestling can be. It's the best way I can describe it. And um, it made people aware of not only an entire promotion out of a country like Spain, but it also made people aware of a new rising star in Europe, and that's A-Kid. Uh, tremendous stuff here. Excellent. What's number three? Number three is Jimmy Havoc versus Will Ospreay in a two out of three falls match at Progress Chapter 75. Uh, and my buddy uh, over, my buddy Jay over at the Smack It Down podcast absolutely adores this match as well. Um, ah, okay. It's it's just a it's it's the quintessential progress wrestling feud. The two guys that put the company on the map, having one last hurrah, you might say, mm-hmm. and bringing back the blood feud into just this amazing two out of three falls match just oodled in storytelling the promo package alone before the match really got you hyped for it uh spot of the match was an essex destroyer from about from a balcony um not through a table because they bounced off it because <laughs> those tables in europe sucked in 2018 they never <laughs> broke <laughs> and if you're not familiar with what an essex destroyer is imagine a canadian dis- destroyer but it's a suplex instead oh man Okay. Yeah, really cool stuff. I adored this match. I was locked in. I think it lasted about 45 minutes, too. It's insane. Um, definitely go check that out. Uh, number two is Kento Miyahara versus Na- uh, Naomichi Marufuji in All Japan Wrestling. They made the list. <laughs> wow. Well, that's Su- good. Superpower Series Day 7. I think this was the best... 1v1 match in Japan that didn't take place in New Japan Wrestling in 2018. It was that damn good. It was the ace of All Japan versus the ace of Noah. And they both just pulled out all the stops, locked in. You you could have no idea who either of these guys are, and you're just you just come out of it going, that was a damn good wrestling match. Five stars. So, what's number one, Rad, of our indie matches of the year? Number one, and no surprise here, it is Walter versus Tyler Bate at the progress uh, for the progress title at chapter 76. Hello, Wembley. The main event, man. Yep. The main event that they all worked for, the culmination of the UK indie scene finally getting credit where credit's due. Big match feel. Uh, I think we're all familiar with Tyler Bate now. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you're definitely familiar with my man, Walter. Uh, to me, this was a 2018 version of like Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. It had so many callbacks to that match. Uh, it was very old-school wrestling, uh, working the crowd. Um, it, it just had that aura to it. Awesome. And that that's why I put it on. Do I think it's the best wrestling match or the best stipulation match of the year? No. But everything else it did put it over the top as that match. So... That's the top 10 indie matches of the year. Uh, very tough li- list to make this year, considering how much indie wrestling uh, I got to watch in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but that is nothing compared to our tier two matches of the year. And that's what happened in New Japan, Ring of Honor and CMLL. Like, fuck. Uh, with the exception of number one, I think two through 10, even two through 20, you can make a case. <laughs> yeah. 
uh this is really hard so take this with a grain of salt it's just like what what you feel like this week to be honest <laughs> it's new japan was so damn good ring of honor didn't have a single match on this entire top 10 list neither did cmll although there were good matches this year just nothing compared to what new japan was able to pump out for five star classics every match yeah. on this list is like five stars <laughs> so rad what's number 10 Number 10, we have the Golden Lovers versus Okada and Ishii. Uh, can definitely see that yeah. in the top 10. That was at uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. So, yeah. um, just another level. They're just on another level, Red. <laughs> they really are. All right. Uh, number just call nine. This the New Japan category. Yeah, the New Japan. Well, that's what it turned into this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, coming in at number nine is uh, our man yet again, Will Ospreay. He's back from the indie scene. <laughs> Right on. He's over in New Japan now. He faced Marty Skrull for the junior heavyweight title at Sakura Genesis and uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed. They they did have... Oh, so it wasn't Dominion. Okay. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, you might know this match as it got five stars and Will Ospreay almost killed himself doing a Spanish fly on the apron and necking himself yeah. pretty hard. So Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. So they had two just excellent matches, but the uh, Sakura Genesis match was uh, the five-star one. Um, what's number eight? Next up, number eight match, we have the Golden Lovers yet again going against the Young Bucks in a tag match, and that was at Strong Style Evolved. One hell of a match. Yeah, uh, I think it was Matt Jackson selling the back super well, oodled in kind of the Bullet Club in, in fighting. Um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anything else to add for that one? No, no, not at all. Let's move all right. on over to number seven. Number seven? Oh, wouldn't you know it? Here it's the are. Golden Lovers <laughs> versus Tanahashi <laughs> and Will Ospreay. Another <laughs> repeater. Uh, that was at the Road to Wrestle Kingdom. So coming in at the very end of the year uh, was the match to kind of get us hype for Ospreay Ibushi and Omega Tanahashi. Uh, the clip that went viral was the basic anime coming to life shot of when Ibushi did the hur springboard Hurricane Rana, and Osprey landed on his feet and kind of looked back and just like, yeah, I landed on my feet, motherfucker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Ibushi going, did he just land on his feet? Oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh, number six, Red. Number six, we have Ishimori versus Takahashi, and that was at the uh, NJPW Best of the Super Juniors final. I remember you uh, uh, giving a lot of praise to that match when we discussed on the podcast. Yeah, unfortunately, it was the last time we'd see Hiromu Takahashi in a ring in 2018 as well, uh, right. when he went down with his neck injury. Um, yeah, uh, to me, it was the rising star, junior star of New Japan facing the vet of Noah that had just came into New Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, the best junior heavyweight match I'd seen in years, to be honest. It was just so good. Uh Number five, I think you loved this match, Rad. Oh, absolutely. What is it? So high profile. It was Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. That was a no DQ match that took place at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Uh, that was a badass match. I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time watching it. And one thing that I like that Chris Jericho brought to the table was that I think he brought more awareness and more viewers to the new japan product uh because of this the build-up to the match was just amazing and they had what maybe like about 
a month or less that they build up to it. Mm -hmm. And it was just the talk of the wrestling world all over social media. Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Wrestle Kingdom 12. Amazing match. Uh, number four is Kenny Omega. He's back. Uh, there you go. Versus Tomohiro Ishii. He's back again, this time in a singles match. And this was G1 Climax ah, 28, one. night yeah. 14. You might know this one because Ishii broke Kenny Omega's lip in half. <laughs> yeah. And this was uh, Omega's first loss in the G1. It, um, to me, this uh, this was, I think the match that got me to love Ishii and what he does in the ring. I wasn't the biggest Ishii fan. I don't like his kicking out at ones all the time. But for some reason, <laughs> over the course of the summer and then in the G1, he sold me. And this was just, in my opinion, the best match I've ever seen out of Tomohiro Ishii and. Coming with Kenny Omega is no surprise. So, yeah. Uh, number three, Rad. Number three, we have Tanahashi versus Okada for the IWGP title. That was at the uh, Dontaku Day 2 at the G1 Climax, night 17. Yeah, so they faced off twice. Yeah. Once at Dontaku for the title, and then again at the G1 Climax. The kind of who won their block for the G1. There you go. Yeah, they so faced each other twice. Final. Yeah. It's Tanahashi Okada. What more do you need to say, right? <laughs> um, all right. Number two is the G1 Climax finals match of Tanahashi versus Ibushi. Uh, Ibushi being an amazing fucking wrestler. And uh, this was kind of the big culmination kickstart of the redemption story that was Tanahashi. Yeah. And it was... Is it the best G1 match I've ever seen? Possibly. That's why it's number two. <laughs> What's number one, Rad? The undisputed number one. number one, I would say. The undisputed number one was Kenny Omega versus Okada for the IWGP title in a best two out of three falls match at Dominion. We were just discussing how Dominion was our personal mm -hmm. pay-per-view of the year, and it's because of this one match. Yep. Uh... The culmination of the best bout machine and the end of the historic title reign that Okada had. Uh, this match had everything. It's pretty hard to get people glued in for an hour long, hour plus long match, and this one just did it. Best wrestling match uh, on yeah, record. The magic was there. The magic was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So very tough list to make. Uh, honestly, besides number one, you could throw, like I said, two through twenty. You can make a two through twenty list, and then just roll a roll a die and that's that's where everything lands <laughs> it was it was just way it was just so hard keeping keeping yeah, track of the new japan matches all year i mean any any like honorable mentions i mean i could name a hundred to be honest <laughs> yeah i think i totally agree with you but the list that you put together was uh phenomenal belongs in the top 10 all righty so let's get into wwe who not a good year for WWE, but NXT had a good year. It had a great year. <laughs> yeah. So here's I'm guessing the NXT category. Uh, you know, if it was if we it wasn't for a, ah okay. Yeah, if it wasn't for uh the 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 nice little rule I had where if someone had more than one match against each other, it would just be put mm -hmm. together, kind of like what we did, what you saw with the uh the New Japan, uh to get more matches on there, and this is kind of what came to be. Um. I'll start yep. off with number 10 being Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa, NXT title, TakeOver War Games. 
Badass. Yeah. Hollywood Velveteen Dream. Yes. <laughs> Is that worthy of the number 10 spot, Rad? Yeah, I would say so. It was an incredible match uh, uh, back and forth between these two guys. I really enjoyed it. All right. I, I, this, to me, was um, a good character work from both, both of them. Uh, Dream coming into his own kind of... Like, he had his character work working all the way, and it seemed like it culminated at this point to me. And yeah. uh, Champa being the villain and being a damn good wrestler can work with anybody. Uh, I think Champa is more adaptable than Johnny Gargano. And this was a great example of this. So, uh, number nine, Rad, which we already spoke about. Number nine, and I totally agree with this. It's Becky Lynch versus Charlotte versus Asuka in a triple threat for the SmackDown Women's Championship at TLC. Incredible match. That's yep. all I have to say about that. Yeah. Worthy of purchasing the DVD if you're still a collector. <laughs> and number eight was Becky Lynch Charlotte last women's standing match SmackDown title Evolution, which we spoke yep. about earlier on the uh, uh, women's top ten. So, mm-hmm. uh, but these men's matches just edged them out. <laughs> uh, number yeah, number seven is uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Aleister Black the NXT title Takeover New Orleans. Oh man, that was good. Um, I'm a mark for both these guys. Yeah, uh, that's no secret. Um, I love the hard-hitting style of Black with the kickboxing elements to it mixed in. There was some and the the way almost flows in the ring, mixing in Luchador and um, the uh, the hard-hitting style as well of Almas. Uh, these two just molded well so well together. I couldn't believe the 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 quality of the match we got. What's number, let's see, 10, 9, 7. What's number 6, Red? Okay, so number 6, we got the Undisputed Era versus Pete Dunne, the War Raiders, and Ricochet in a uh, a War Games match at NXT War Games 2. Yep. Definitely agree with this match. Uh, it was one of my favorite for the year. I'm a sucker for War Games matches. <laughs> Still, uh, <laughs> my too. favorite match type. Uh, takes me back to the days of watching WCW. So, yeah, this was one hell of a match. Yeah. Uh, no argument from there. Um, it, it would have been higher on the list, but it did drag in a little bit of places, I will say. Sure. And um, I, even though Pete Dunne did have a good, uh, good showing, it could have been a lot better if he wasn't injured. I really liked Bobby Fish's role in the entire match with uh, locking Pete Dunne in the cage uh, with his own lock and then bringing all the weapons into the ring. That was good stuff. He was your MVP, right? I think we discussed this two months ago bobby fish was my mvp of the war games match yeah. i think i think I what what he did in the uh in the match kind of kickstarted every element to it um mm-hmm. yeah so uh number five is johnny gargano versus alistair black uh takeover war games there's another war games so we got three of them <laughs> <laughs> that was an incredible pay-per-view good pay-per-view yeah uh so. had probably the best you know, uh, it had a really good story being told between Johnny Failure slash losing his mind against Aleister Black. I will absolve you of your sins. Good feud. Uh, the last three minutes of the match were ungodly good between the two. I loved it. Sure. What's number four? Number four was the six-man ladder match for the uh, North American title. Over at NXT, uh, where Adam Cole wins NXT Takeover New Orleans, uh, damn good match. You know, it was just a, a lot of good stuff that took place. Uh, 
Uh, I liked it. And Adam Cole winning was just the uh, icing on the cake, baby. Indeed, no argument for me. So number three, uh, this is where it gets a little interesting. This is what separates these next three matches from the rest on the on the list is the feuds that it had entailed, which okay, uh, which came to be with multiple matches, which were all good and had you uh, lined in. So uh, this is undisputed era versus Mustache Mountain for the NXT tag titles. We got the UK tournament day two where we saw Mustache Mountain win them in a huge pop in front of the uh, the Royal Hour Hall. Uh, the NXT July 11th showing where um, P, uh, uh, Tyler Bate threw in the towel to save his partner and then their TakeOver Brooklyn match. Ama- just an amazing feud. Every tag team, like this was just the Undisputed Era being the heels so well. Everyone around the babyface tag team. Uh, I spoke earlier about how I don't like the WWE tag team formula. Well, sometimes they get it so right, you you end up getting this, and that's what we got between these matches. It's just yeah. so good, and it put over it put over M- Mustache Mountain and Undisputed Era as each other's factions as well, and tag teams. And what's number two, Rad? Number two is another one from NXT TakeOver Philly, and that was Johnny Gargano versus Cien Almas for the NXT title. Uh, that was another uh, good match, and if I'm not mistaken, was that the beginning of Almas' uh, reign, or am I confusing it? Uh, well, he got the title against McIntyre at the tail end of 2017. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then they had a rematch where so Johnny would quote unquote in. leave NXT with their NXT February first uh, match as well, sure. which I really liked. Um, that's where we saw Ve- uh, Zelina Vega get involved in Hurricane Rana, Gargano oh, into the yeah. steps. That was badass. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I mean the match got five stars. I don't disagree with it. I fucking love this match. Uh, everyone's behind Babyface Gargano. Um, Almas comes back. Almas just being Mr. Los Ingonables. Like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could still see it there. Yeah. I mean, Almas is a five-star wrestling machine. And um, I loved his NXT run, his title run. A lot of people didn't like him winning the, the title. But I was like, he puts on good matches. When Vega got in with him, it was, it was just money. Uh, it just pains me what happened to him on the main roster. But that's another story entirely. Yeah. And what's number one? What haven't we mentioned? <laughs> <laughs> what haven't we mentioned? Go ahead and take it away, JD. Uh, the, the, the entire feud of Gargano Champa. We have the non-sanctioned match. We have the street fight. Uh, we have the, um, the culmination of all. So we have TakeOver New Orleans. We have the Chicago. We have Brooklyn 4. Incredible uh, feud. Put them all three together. It was... Yeah. I mean, it, it's our number one feud of the year for a reason. Uh, New Orleans match, I think, would probably be the best one out of the three, and it's our number one WWE match of the year. Any any disputes here? Not at all. Do we have any honorable mentions that didn't make the list? Um, oh, that's pretty hard to say. I would have wanted maybe to squeeze a AJ Styles Samoa Joe match somewhere in there, but. I think a lot of them, because of booking, failed to capture the magic mm-hmm. from the ones that we've mentioned here. So, no, I'm totally down with this list. Yeah. Uh, I, I I really contemplated the 
the uh, the TLC match Styles Brian. Oh, Brian, yeah. I really contemplated it. I just think it was lacking that little, like as a wrestling match, it was really fucking good. But I think a lot of the character work and what we saw from NXT this year just edged it out. Just didn't have a chance. Sure. <laughs> um, God, I can't even. I guess the gauntlet match from Raw I saw with Seth Rollins, but I still don't think even then oh, that no. was good enough. Yeah. No, um, no, not at all. Not not compared to the matches that you included here. Yeah. And I'm so happy that my girl made two of them, Becky Lynch. So that, yeah, that's, I mean, she that's deserved something. it. She yeah. deserved those. That's for sure. Uh, so that's uh, that's her top ten WWE matches. Um, very noticeable that no men's main roster match made the top ten. That's uh. That that's that's unlike Ring of show you. Yeah, yeah. It's like man, uh, Vince McMahon has to give it up already. Give it to Triple H. Yeah, the the booking. Yeah, booking. It's a problem. So unlike Ring of Honor not being able to crack the top ten in the tier two, that was just because everything else was just so much better. Uh, I th- I can honestly say WWE matches, main roster men's matches, just did not live up to par in 2018. Um. I'd put it. I'd put it. I'd put WWE in 2018 along the lines of 1995 WWF. To be honest. Oh man, yeah, I can definitely see that. So it's really bad. Yeah, not a good year, but a great year from New Japan. A fantastic year for Walter. He made one, two, three, four, <laughs> uh, four in the top ten. Gargano <laughs> like made half the list in NXT. Uh, the Golden Lovers. And Omega was just, jeez, Omega was one, two, three, four. Yeah, he was half the list in New Japan as well. Yeah, man, I would have to say if you had an MVP category for like the ones that made the list here on this podcast, definitely give it to Walter. He deserves it. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I think it's time for our overall t- podcast wrestlers of the year, top 25. We got Let's math to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So, coming in at number, I'll start it off, 25, with 50 points for 2018 is Adam Cole, baby. Freaking A. He cracked it. And uh, I even, out of pure curiosity, because I had separated Adam Cole from the Undisputed Era points, okay? And uh, if you include Roderick Strong's uh, singles numbers, because if you recall, he had a bunch of points when he was doing his just incredible work rate in singles matches at the start of the year remember i remember yeah so if you add adam cole undisputed era and roderick strong's singles numbers then it amounts to 116 points which would have been number one on the list that is not the oh, case oh interesting here. yeah okay. and then if you take away uh roderick strong's singles numbers as he wasn't part of the undisputed area would have gotten 83 points which would have uh cracked the top five that's that's just something I, I I thought was a little interesting, um, but Adam Cole got a nice little fifty points. <coughs> Number twenty five is is him. Uh, he's he was North American champion. He started out out uh, the year strong, running undisputed era. Uh, great to see him on number twenty five. Who made sure. number twenty four? Bad. Number twenty four. We have Kota Ibushi with fifty one points from the podcast. Yeah. Um, Very well deserved. I'm happy you made the top 25. I am as well. Uh, 
coming in at 23 with 54 points is the Young Bucks. Uh, didn't they nail it this year, especially with All In? I mean, they kind of faltered yeah. in the second half, you know, after, once All In was over. They didn't really gain any more points. They were kind of out of title pictures. No storylines anymore. Um, it's just based on name now with the Young Bucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I really thought they were going to finish higher on the year, but once All In was over, they just uh, they just weren't involved. I mean, they had the good ladder match, ladder war match at uh, Final Battle in Ring of Honor. There, there you go. go. And we have a, a uh, what is that, a one, two, three, four-way tie for 19th. So who do we got yeah, there, I Red? Yeah, I see that. Go, go on and take it away. I, I uh, Maybe you want to explain the tie there. Okay, so uh, we have a four-way tie for, 19, for 19th place with 56 points, so 19th through 22. Uh, we have Kento Miyahara from All Japan, just nailing it all year in his, in his title matches. He's the ace over there, kind of the unsung mm -hmm. hero, uh, hence why... He was nominated for the Under the Radar Success category. Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven. Goes without saying there. Uh, NXT UK. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi managed to garner 56 points. That kind of went under the radar for sure with his Redemption sure. Story G1 run. And then Momo yep. Watanabe over in Stardom. The white belt owner. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool stuff. And then, uh, who edged them out by one single point for 18th, Red? For 18th, we have uh, 57 points, Pentagon. Uh, very well-deserved. Uh, the guy's done so much, uh, you know, an impact in Mexico. Uh, definitely making his name for himself. And after this year, I think everybody uh, knows who he is. Yeah. And the only luchador to crack our top 25, might add. That's interesting. Uh, one hell of a year. If there was a category for... A luchador of the year, uh, he definitely nailed. I agree, heartedly. Coming in at yep. number seventeen, fifty-eight points is the old destroyer man himself, Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you wa if you were, if you watched RPW, he killed it over there, and he had a. Um, he always seemed to show up in in New Japan when he needed to, and he just sneakily got got point got you know a little bit of points here and there every now and again, and it just accumulated all year. Why he was for the under the radar success. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I think you like number fifteen, a two way tie. Oh, I fucking love number fifteen. So we have a two way tie between the man Becky Lynch, my girl. Uh, I'm so happy that she actually made the list because. The first half of the year, uh, she failed to crack our top tens, but uh, obviously with everything she accomplished towards the end of the year kind of made up for that. So mm -hmm. at least now we're seeing her midway into the list. And she is tied with 60 points uh, uh, with Charlotte Flair, also very well-deserved. And I think the evolution of her character as well has come a long way. Uh, so these two women definitely deserve it, and I can see why there's a tie between both of them. just makes their rivalry even better. Yeah, uh, I think it's also a good example because I was watching, you know, the points go up um, every episode and Charlotte was the consistent performer of the year for yeah. the women in WWE. And then I think amazing it's amazing that Becky caught up. And it, I, that's the other thing. It's amazing how much Becky Lynch just rose up and how much it meant. Um, so the, the, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> the numbers don't lie here. Uh, however, there was a couple other, a few other women that just edged him out. And uh, I, I, see that. I think it's it a away. case of just um, more high-profile matches, 
and what they meant for the promotions. And uh, number 14 with 61 points, a single point over, is Mayu Iwatani over in Stardom. Uh, she Very won. Cool. She won the five. Yeah. yeah, she won the five star Grand Prix. Uh, she became the ace of Stardom when Io Shirai left. Uh, it, it it's it speaks volumes to what she means for the promotion and women's wrestling in Japan. Uh, very constant performer all year. We even saw her uh, show up in in um Ring of Honor for the Women of Honor at the start of the year when they were kickstarting their uh promote their yeah. little division. Um, so yeah, Mayu based Yutani. on the success, yeah, based on the success alone of her booking, uh, uh, she really uh, has made it a very well deserved of the uh, number fourteen spot. And Rad, who we got at thirteen? Number thirteen, another one that I highly uh, agree with here for uh, with sixty three points is Pete Dunn. Uh, definitely cracked the uh, top twenty five here, so I'm really happy to see that, and I think we haven't seen anything yet from this guy he uh, definitely has a bright future so 2018 was a great year let's see what 2019 has in store for this guy yeah i mean prior to uh, i would say prior to his nxt kind of uk tournament run that he did he was kind of an unknown still uh he was True. just a, he was just another rising star same thing with tyler Bate. i mean everyone loved him he, he did win the progress title uh that year and and once he got into the mainstream, uh, which is kind of why I agreed with you why he wasn't under the radar. He 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 did get into the mainstream, um, right. but he was very consistent performer all year wherever he was, whether it was the indie scene or working with NXT. Uh, I'm glad to see him coming in at number 13 with 63 Me points. Too. Uh, number there was a two way tie for number 11, so 11, 12 respectively, and uh, two very similar people, I must say in their wrestling styles and even their character sure. work. And that's Johnny Gargano and David Starr with 64 points. Uh, Johnny Gargano, I, this is definitely a case with David Starr putting in the work and then Johnny Gargano uh, just doing NXT proud. Um, if NXT was exposed more, you know, not a takeover every, you know, two and a half, three months, I, th I totally see Gargano getting more points because we'd see more of them, right? Sure. And then David Starr in the second half of the year just put in so much work with being uh, with his cruiserweight title in RPW, um, going go his 16 karat gold run in WXW from March, uh, getting to the finals, losing to Absolute Andy, but boy, uh, David Starr and Gargano I think were interchangeable for the work they put in, and the numbers again don't lie. <laughs> no, they don't. I do think Johnny Gargano was the better star of the year but the points say they were equal which i thought was interesting and now that gives us to gets us into our top 10 red yes yeah now so how uh, now we're in the top 10 um now i'm not sure maybe if you had an updated list jd but from the agenda that i have in front of me i have a tie spot for number nine with no top 10 so did you just want to break up that tie or do you have a tie that you may have listed later i mean uh, a top 10 that you may have listed later no, I mean it's it's nine ten respectively. Okay, great. They're, so they're then, just tied for ninth. There is no here ten. Here we go with uh, <laughs> so so okay. And then I guess I'll go ahead and cover number nine and ten. And yep. we have uh, Jay Lethal uh, coming in the number nine spot, sixty seven points, uh, and he's tied with Ishii, sixty seven points as well. So uh, there we have the, those two guys up in the top ten spot. Uh, I I think uh, very well deserved, and I totally agree with this. Yeah, it was pretty crazy with um, 
with Jay Lethal, we we mentioned him earlier. We I mean Ishii, you know, he rose the occasion. Uh, he was the workhorse of New Japan this year for sure. And then Jay Lethal just being the workhorse of Ring of Honor and carrying that company on his back, you know, winning the title. His uh, his feud with Jonathan Gresham is going to go down as one of the most underrated feuds uh, in years, in my opinion. Uh, but Jay Lethal is is Ring of Honor at this point, and the points he garnered uh, support that. Sure. So. I agree. Uh, and now we got a tie at number seven, so seven and eight spots respectively, and that's Ilya Dragunov and Tony fucking storm <laughs> there you go and interesting enough i think they both competed at the uh true colors event right if i'm not mistaken uh yes because tony storm would have defended the title and Ilya dragonoff also defended the title yes um, yeah so two wxw faithfuls here, uh, number seven spot yeah uh two people that put the work in in europe tony storm rising the occasion she's up on the list because of her May Young Classic win, uh, you know, that's a lot of points right there. Uh, Dragunov being in the main event of uh, WXW for most of the year, and also his big pop when he came back. So the fact that he he became the big rising star in Europe, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, very happy to see Dragunov uh, get that high. And it's no, no, no slouch between the two of them, for sure. Sure thing. And we got an undisputed top six now. No more ties. <laughs> no more ties. So undisputed number six spot. And uh, this is a very high profile name for women's wrestling. And that's Tessa Blanchard coming in with 71 points. I am so happy that she's actually in the top six. I think she's accomplished so much, whether it be in the uh, indie promotions to mm-hmm. Impact Wrestling. She's brought a lot of prestige to Impact Wrestling's uh, Women's Championship and uh, we definitely haven't seen the end of, of the diamond, so to speak. So uh, she's here to stay. Yeah, she's definitely here to stay. Um, she put in uh, the work that she needed to uh, to make a name for herself. She has that it factor, and it definitely shows. Uh, yes. She was. She never put in a bad match. It was always solid, always put in the work, and she improved so much along the year as well. Um, pretty crazy how many points uh, she got for women's wrestling. Um, edging out Tony Storm. I mean that's yeah, yeah yeah definitely living up to to the name. It'd be interesting to one day down the road see him, Tessa Blanchard and Charlotte Flair. Uh, I wouldn't put it past. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, number five is the Rainmaker himself with seventy three points. Kazuchika oh, yes. Okada, and yep. even I mean the whole first half of the year was him defending that title in just match after match after match, bout, 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 uh, all the way to him losing the Rainmaker persona in one of the, the greatest, like, character-written roles, you know, losing his main, main event spot and, you know, get, getting the whole balloon persona, um, and then him trying to get the Rainmaker. It, it's just been a good story for Okada all year. Every match he's in, you just can't take your eyes off him. Even his all-in match against Skrull, was was super fun to watch with him, you know, putting having uh I believe it was Skrull in like a headlock and he points at the camera and two oh five. One of the one of the moments I remember the most from the year. Uh Okada just Mr. Consistent. That's what I can say about that. Yep. Number four, Rad? Number four, the man right in front of Okada is Kenny Omega with eighty three points. Easily one of the top five. Yeah, it's it's no 
question how good the man is. He's best. He's the best bout machine, man. Yeah, definitely is, and had a lot of uh, high-profile matches uh, throughout the year. Always was in the uh, the main talk of wrestling throughout mm-hmm. social media, and pretty much headlined a lot of events in uh, over at uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So very well deserved. Yeah, he even had a crazy match on the Indies in North America in like Northwest Wrestling, where he faced Phoenix. Oh, did he really? Yeah. So, uh, coming in at number three with 91 points, so we're getting in that top tier here, and uh, this is just the exposure. I think this is what the, this is what the these top three came down to was exposure, quality of matches, and uh, main event picture, just constantly wherever they went. And uh, number three, 91 points is Zack Saber Jr. He is the best technical wrestler today. He makes even the most basic moves look painful mm-hmm. um makes everything count i mean he had title matches in wxw he won the new japan cup at the beginning of the year he had a big push he established new star in new japan uh progress ott just everywhere uh rpw uh champion uh, british heavyweight champion he just won it back at wrestle kingdom which we'll get into in the next podcast uh, zach saber jr number three uh great it makes me happy um but not as good as the next two, Red. Number two. <laughs> Here we go. So the uh, number two spot goes to Will Ospreay with 96 points, and I can see why he's in the number two here. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to catch number one, but he got injured just at the end of the year, and that was the difference maker. I think one-two was, was interchangeable. Yeah. It, w- it would have w- easily been in the number one spot had he uh, been able to uh, continue performing. I think so as well. Uh, Will Ospreay, the the hu- the human aerial assassin, just my God, his his year was insane. Every match he put on, uh, he just would not put on the brakes. Every match he wanted, he'd want to th- give the audience what they want. He could be uh, in front of ten thousand people, he could be in front of a hundred people. You're getting the aerial assassin, and it definitely showed in his work rate in 2018. Number one, who cracked a hundred points, he's got 103. Should be no surprise. He's no been Mister. He's been Mister Main Event in Europe all damn year. Uh, he even won the PWG title at one point. Uh, that's my man, Big Daddy Valter, uh, who became my favorite wrestler of the year in 2018. It's it's just the evidence is there. We've been talking about it every podcast episode. It seemingly he had just a banger of a match every single podcast that we covered and he was king of the indies this year in my opinion king of the indies yeah and now he's signed with wwe with nxt uk so 2019 is going to be a very interesting year for these on the list so um anybody on the list that you think uh is surprising like kind of an arnold honor who's who's who are you surprised made the list and didn't make the list for 2018 as we wrap this oh, up man. yeah that's uh that's interesting. Uh, I'm pretty much certain that the way the list panned out to be is is uh, not of a surprise. Uh, obviously, we've been I've been a part of the uh, podcast throughout the year, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the the math and the numbers don't lie. Definitely shows uh, every time we mention these names uh, on our podcast. So, no surprise here. And uh, Walter definitely deserves the uh, MVP spot here at number one. So that's good to see. Um, 
as per who I think should have been on the list, I can't really say. I think the names that made it uh, are, are who the the names that belong there. Uh, mm-hmm. Anybody that I might have wanted to name might be even a little bit more mainstream, such as you know guys like AJ Styles. But the math here was not just based on uh, you know who we liked or who we wanted to make the list, but rather you know the success, uh, how they performed, and what they brought to the table. Uh, you know, so the the names mentioned here, uh, way to go, JD. It's tough to keep up with it all year. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different for uh, the 2019 rankings. Uh, I think I'm just going to, because of the, the, the landscape's changed, we're going to have to change the landscape at all as well. So I'm going to have to do some brainstorming there. I think I'm coming to a consensus of a straight top 15 list rather than splitting ah. up between the tiers. Okay. Yeah. And then a, a top 10 women's list. That should be easy now that we're going to kind of uh, do away or bring it to a minimum uh, discussing WWE. Yeah. Yeah, that's also yeah. kind of the uh, the idea there as well. Uh, there's there's um, one name in particular that was totally absent from the rankings week in and week out was Sasha Banks. A phenomenal women's wrestler. Uh was in the title picture for a long time. 2018? Nothing. Absolutely nothing from Sasha Banks in 2018. I couldn't believe it. She didn't get a single fucking point. (laughs) I think uh, the only high-profile thing she had going on was the stuff that she did with uh, Bailey, whether she was her enemy or best friend, but that was about it. Uh, Yeah, I mean... uh, The the, the injury, I think, and... Well, the injury is only, like, a little part of it. The, The only thing I could think of that Sasha Banks accomplished in 2018 was kicking Bailey off the cell at Elimination Chamber. Like, that was yeah. it. That was her 2018 right there in a nutshell. It, it was a horrid year from Sasha, Sasha Banks. Uh, it really stood out to me when I saw that she had z- a big, fat zero points on the year. Pretty incredible. Um, another, another person on the list, uh, they didn't get zero points, but Finn Balor. Holy shit. Oh, that is amazing. I forgot about Finn Balor. That's true. What a... Uh, he had a horrible year. Just nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. From, he was in garbage feuds all year. Uh, his, his most high-profile one was against Baron Corbin, where he was just called short the whole time. <laughs> like... Yeah... Uh, the, the main roster, WWE, uh, not a single one of them... Um, not a single male cracked our top 25. I think that's telling for the booking of 2018 and what we saw. So those those are my two WWE names I'd like to throw out there. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. For the um, for CMLL, I would have liked to see more Roosh, personally, but there was some weird-ass bookings there for a good chunk of the year. Now that he's in MLW, I think, uh, I think we'll see more Luchadors crack our list going forward. Um, that's a name that stood out to me. I love, I'm a big fan of Roosh, Los Ingenables. Uh But the booking in, in uh, CMLL was, was very questionable for a lot of the year. Uh, let's see. Um, from the indie scene, Rosemary. Rosemary is another one who got a big fat zero. Uh, I know she was injured, but she just... Hasn't been around in 2018. I was very disappointed in that. So for 2019, I hope we get more of her. Wouldn't you say so, Red? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, any any other names uh, come to your mind? Uh, no, I think Missing? you pretty much covered it in a nutshell. Yeah, I think uh, uh, you know I brought up AJ Styles. You bringing up Sasha Banks, Finn Balor, uh, Daniel Bryan. I think is you know pretty much obvious. He he just made his return to wrestling, but really didn't do anything until the latter end of the year. Mm, he still so, got twenty four points. He was kind of mid table in WWE. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Well. Uh, maybe maybe uh, 2019 will be bigger now that he's playing the role of a heel, uh, main event player, mm-hmm. champion, you name it. So we'll see where 2019 takes us. Uh, let's see here. Pe- I mean, if you want to see like low WWE uh, numbers, um, people that fell below uh, 10 points uh, on the year, uh, I mentioned Finn Balor, uh, the Revival fell below that. Um, but that's tag team wrestling in 2018 for you wwe uh bailey got jack shit for most of the year uh she was you know steeped up with the sasha banks thing uh samoa joe only got five points for the entirety of 2018 that was a very disappointing year for samoa joe even though he was in the main event picture he's just a big fat loser (laughs) oh man yeah you know when you think about it that way uh Let's see. I'm just looking over the numbers. Um, I would have liked to see more Eddie Edwards, personally, uh, in 2018. Didn't see enough of him. Uh, Even though he was in some feuds, he just didn't really have... He didn't open eyes enough, I would say. I think that stands out. And I think that's... Johnny Mundo. That's a character to get into. The Impact Champion, currently. Uh... He, I mean, he was solid, but again, that's that's like the same argument. Just didn't turn heads. The matches just weren't good enough. Uh, yeah, I, I think if he had the same matches, granted that it'd be on a different platform, uh, you know, perhaps it would be a different story. But again, it's booking and the promotion that he's in. Uh, you know, I still want to see Impact continue, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we'll never see it end. It just seems to be dangling on the thread as it has been for the last you know uh, several years or so so uh but but it doesn't take away the fact that the guy is an incredible performer and he's had good matches it just depends on how he's booked and what platform he's yeah. uh, performing in yeah so just an off year uh for yeah. some of these guys uh and bad booking for others um Hopefully 2019 we'll get to see more but congratulations to our top 5 our inaugural top five Redley Fretcher cast wrestlers of the year with Walter number one, Osprey two, Zack Sabre Jr. three, Kenny Omega four, and Okada five, and Tessa Blanchard being the number one ranked woman at number six. So, yeah, how about that? Numbers don't lie. And uh, I think that will do it for our wrestling of the year of 2018. Uh, if you guys disagree with anything, um, well, too bad. These are our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a mathematical certainty. It's a mathematical fact that Walter <laughs> was the best wrestler in 2018. <laughs> All right, right sure well, some guys in the chat might uh, disagree with that, but <laughs> again, it's the numbers. So yeah, uh, but but hey, you know, we had our non-podcast awards. We had our nominees. We came we came to the conclusion that it was indeed Omega. It was indeed uh, for Europe. Walter Gargano for North America. <laughs> Becky Lynch was the women's wrestler. So. Um, oh, yeah. We do have different opinions uh, outside the numbers. So that was WrestleCast episode 21 of the Redley Fretcher cast. Please 
go ahead and hit us up on iTunes and Stitcher for a nice little five-star review. I'm happy to announce we are running a contest, if you stuck in for the entirety of the show. Uh, we're giving away some wrestling Funko Pops. I won't say who the wrestlers are, but there's two oh, of them. Cool. It's a two-pack. Sounds and, fun. And uh, so if you leave us a nice little review on iTunes, Stitcher, hit 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 us up on Twitter, Apple and JD, Redley, Fretchercast. You will be entered into the contest. If you've already left a review, well, then all you have to do is screenshot your review and do the same thing, and you're entered again because you've just been a great, that great a fan. Uh, it's been a good year for 2018 wrestling uh, outside of main roster WWE. Um, yes. Filled with some positive and negative for sure. I look forward to doing more of this cast. Our next episode is episode 22, featuring uh, Wrestle Kingdom, Impact Homecoming. We'll talk a little bit of New Year's Dash that just occurred uh, today upon recording. Right Definitely catch up with that. Uh, WXW 18th anniversary show, uh, which was the main event of British Strong Style versus Ring Comp, so I had a little uh, mark-out moment there. <laughs> and then naturally, WCW, we're covering Spring Stampede 1998. You can look awesome. forward to that. And our spotlight is over Legion of Doom. So, lot to look forward there. And, uh, Rad, I'm glad to have you here. Please plug yourself as we get out of here. Sure. For all the uh, viewers out there, uh, I'm your uh, uh, Red Leaf uh, WrestleCast co-host. Uh, again, Rad Zero. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, I have not uploaded a video in a while, so when I'm not busy, you can definitely find me on Twitter, uploading on the daily, or doing a, a podcast here with JD uh you know so definitely go uh, uh check that out i do have plans on this year uh returning to youtube doing the same thing i do best and that's definitely talking about right uh retro gaming wrestling you name it i do want to add though jd that it's been an incredible year uh i mean we just started this uh, uh wrestlecast uh, under a year ago uh 2018 came and went and yeah looking forward to what 2019 has in store for us man flew by 21 episodes deep already pretty nuts damn <laughs> <laughs> what uh i guess what turned off to uh, turned out to be a, a one-off turned into uh quite the tradition so definitely love talking wrestling with you man it, it was a trial and it's become it's become a lot of fun i look forward to more in 2019 and uh more guests uh more partnerships with the smack it down podcast definitely try and get colin back if we do talk wwe <laughs> We'll get yeah, the fan. Yeah, we'll get we'll get the guy who actually likes the product. <laughs> yeah, Colin is a, a, a really backs up the product. So uh, shout out to Jay uh, from the other uh, podcast that you mentioned. Yep. Uh, JD, what is it called? The Smack It Down podcast. Smack It Down podcast. Uh, brother from go. another mother over in over in the Australia. So. Yep. Um, yeah. And shout out to Colin as well. Uh, I know he does a lot of work with uh, Slam Pigs with our friend uh, Travis, the Hibiki TMD. Shout out to them as well. They've been huge supporters of our podcast, and we've even done some uh, co-podcasts uh, with them as well. So awesome Indeed stuff. We have. All right. My cat is getting antsy, which means I think it's time <laughs> to hit uh, hit that NWO music as we do. Um, and uh, look forward to us in future episodes. Thank you, everybody. Bye. For life.